Hello and welcome to episode 56 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Jose. And this episode is, let's see if I can do the delivery right, we party. You? Sometimes. Sometimes? It's, <laughs> sometimes isn't part of the title, and that's by far our worst title ever. But yeah, this episode, as the name implies, we're going to be sharing impressions of we party you a bit later in the show, uh, and we also have resident Ace Attorney expert, Jose, Doing uh, impression, his thoughts, sharing his impressions of the new Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Dual Destinies for thus the, far. Thus far, for the you're like what halfway through the game? I like to think yeah, almost halfway. I mean, there's five cases though. So right. You're either more than halfway or less than halfway. You don't say. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so he'll be. Yeah, that's you'll be sharing impressions of whatever chunk you're in. Whatever. Yeah. yeah uh, later in the show, but before we get to all that, of course, do we have news? So, uh, all the news, you can find specific uh, links on the site to the stories, and we have timestamps so you can jump just to the topics that interest you, to be it the game, Pressure 30 stories. But the stories, well, there's a lot of them. Um, Nintendo just had their financial report come out, so there's all sorts of stuff about how the Wii, the Wii U's doing currently, how the 3DS is doing, and normally we save those for the later half of the show for Jason Sales Corner. But we're going to bump them up to the top, because they kind of encompass everything that's happened these couple weeks. Like, the way things have unfold and the strategies Nintendo's using, really, a lot of the news that came out recently ties directly into it. So, we'll have that coming up, but uh, be sure to stick around after that, because we're going to have new impression or new details on Wii Sports Club, Mario 3D Worlds, all the Link Between Worlds, the very weird Pikachu Detective game that was announced, as well as that whole swap note brouhaha, and how it basically stopped functioning. So, uh, yeah, use those time Sometimes stamps. Tough indeed. Yeah, it's, 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 t- it's tough out there for Nintendo fans. But yeah, use the uh, time stamps however you feel best, and let's just jump in with the financial report, I guess, with uh, in the What's Up with Nintendo part. So, um, the, the numbers will be brief. We're going to really, I think, the conversation is going to be more about these overall goals and strategy in Nintendo, but, but on a more general level... Uh, Nintendo didn't do tremendously well in the last quarter. This is second quarter of 2013, which is from July to September, three-month period. Their quarters are based around their financial, their fiscal year, not the real calendar year, which is why second quarter is smack in the middle of summer. Anyway, um, so the company did see an operating loss of about $237 million, which is actually 20% better than they did last year, which was, as you may remember, a horrible year for them. But uh, it's still a loss. And they did they did bring net sales of 196.5 billion yen, which I don't actually have the number in dollars handy. But to give you a better comparison, you usually subtract two zeros from it, and you're close to US. Yeah, no, that's about right. Yeah, because their operating loss was 23.28 billion yen, or 237 million dollars. So just yeah. do a similar transa- transition, and uh, most of that loss can be blamed squarely on the Wii U. So, Damn. yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the pointy finger. Well, they are, huh? No, they, they specifically... Yeah. Like, yeah, it's the Wii U. So, in Q2, Nintendo managed to move 300,000 Wii U consoles worldwide. That's about 100,000 a month, which, for the record, here in the U.S., the 3DS does more in a single month than the Wii U does worldwide in the same time frame. Um, so, it's low. It's definitely low, but I wouldn't say it's shockingly low. We, you know, if you've been following the monthly numbers, or if you're a listener to the podcast regularly, or... If you just happen to know that the Wii U's current sales suck, then it shouldn't be shot. You know, it shouldn't be a surprise that it's as low as it is. Um, but even with that said, sales are actually up. So, so the Wind Waker bundle did make a difference. Yeah, it did make a difference. Sales are up eighty-seven percent compared to um, compared to Q1, which was April to June. And the thing about Wind Waker, essentially, is it was only out for about ten days, eleven days of the 
quarter. So that boost in sales was driven by that, it was driven by Pikmin 3, it was driven by, you know, all, uh, okay, not really Wonderful 101, I was about to say Wonderful 101, but who am I kidding, no one bought that. Um, so, they should have, but... they should have yeah. But, so since so now if you look like a little broader, since January, so from January till now, since the Wii U's launch ended, basically, it managed to sell, un, it still sold under half a million, it sold 460,000 units, which means that since it launched, it's looking at 3.9 million units worldwide. Which, when you say it by itself, 3.9 million doesn't sound horrible, but then when you look at some comparisons to other Nintendo systems, you realize, yeah, it's kind of horrible. Uh, Nintendo World Report actually did a pretty great, like, number, just number crunch, and they found that, um, the, the, probably the easiest comparison is to the equally doom and gloom in its first year system that was the Nintendo 3DS. Remember the first year, everyone's like, oh, it's a total failure, failure, things are bomb, Nintendo screwed up, no one's ever gonna buy it. Well, even as a failure, in its first... Uh, nine months on the market, it managed to sell 15 million units. The Wii U, in 10 months, is at 3.9 million units. So even the 3DS, which everyone thought was going to be a dud, is still doing better, still did better in the same time frame than the Wii U is doing. And if you look at another system that people considered a dud from Nintendo, the GameCube, during its first, you know, 10-month period... It sold 6.68 million units versus the Wii U's 3.9. In the time that the Wii U sold four, uh, sorry, in the time that the Wii U sold those 300,000 units, so from July to September, if you go back to the GameCube's same stretch, 2.8 million, which is way more than 200,000. So yes, the Wii U's yeah. not doing too well. <laughs> yeah, people, well, they really don't care anymore. Yeah, well, I don't know if they don't. Care or they don't anymore. know. I think it's more they don't know and they just. Haven't been told to care. They have no reason to care, but they may care going forward. I mean, part of what triggered it, part of what made it better, like you said, it is the Wind Waker bundle. It is the new games. So, and the game sales were up significantly, four hundred percent jump in game sales. So it went from selling some lowly number to five point two seven million copies worldwide of all the games on Wii U. So, one, now that there's games, people are starting to buy them, which is what Nintendo needs, and presumably that would mean further sales going forward. But it's hard to say if that's going to be enough. Like, the Wii U's still dragging Nintendo down completely. I mean, they weren't just pointing the finger at Wii U at, in their uh, financials. They were straight up saying that if it wasn't for the Wii U and the loss they're taking on every console, they would have turned a profit this quarter. Oh, wow. They had they made a gross profit of 62 billion yen, and then they lost it all in the money they had to spend because, you know, the Wii sold out loss yeah. and inventory that's returned and that sort of stuff. So it's particularly bad in Europe. Like, here in the U.S. and in Japan, uh, we're seeing, like, you know, multiple hundreds of thousands of units sold. Over the three month span in Europe, they sold under and Australia. Um, throw them in there. They sold under ten thousand total in three months. Well, that's, that's pathetic. That's wow. like that's less than the size of our college when we were still at UCSB. Our college was double the number of Wii's that were sold in all of Europe in the past three months. Yeah, but I guess when you kind of put it like that, I'm like, well, that they'd be like, oh, every other student has a Wii U. That's, that sounds like a lot. Yeah, until you realize that Europe's about a bajillion times bigger yeah, than yeah, the student yeah. body of UCSB. <laughs> but, but yeah, Every it's the like... like hey, Wii U too? <laughs> have giant Wii U land parties, even though they're impossible. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's... Uh, so yeah, Nintendo's... They're they're hurting. And I mean, like... The the thing is the... Um, what was I going to say? Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Oh yeah, the thing I was going to say is that... Like, you can kind of... The thing is, you can kind of see why third parties are now, like, backing off so quickly. I mean, the system's selling really, quite frankly, kind of pathetically. Yes, it's up. Yes, it's improving. Don't get me wrong. But if you look at the broader picture, it's not doing so hot. Like, 
I mean, the user base is so small, and then third parties already sell so little on Nintendo systems, so it's just, like, minuscule. Like, it kind of explains why EA bailed on the system. In fact, EA actually put out their own financials, where uh, they were saying that the Wii U, all Wii U games that they sold accounted for under 1% of their revenue. Whoa. They make... Now, when you add in Wii games to the Wii U games, like, if you just call Wii as, like, a category of products, so Wii and Wii U, they get up to a whopping 1.3% of their revenue. But, in other words, in raw numbers, they made uh, $695 million bucks. Nine million of those dollars came from Wii and Wii U. Out of six hundred ninety-five million. million yeah, but I when you're looking that. at six hundred ninety-five million, so yeah, I mean, yeah, you wonder why people think people. You wonder why EA left. Now you know that's why. And that was when they had like the support that would get the big. Well, yeah that that includes that includes um, you know the games that were yeah, released in the Madden. past. They had Madden. They had Mass Effect. They had Need for Speed. They had all those, and yet. One percent. Uh, it's oh, it's insane. I don't know. It's for like I mean, just the fact that Mass Effect was thrown in there. Mass Effect yeah. felt like a weird fit for the Wii. Like well, it well, would well, work if they did trilogy, but to throw in the third well, yeah, one yeah, without any. Yeah, because they came out so close like, to each other. Like yeah, I remember when I first started coming out for the Wii. I'm like, oh, I'll just get it, just because I want a Wii U game, and I've always heard good things about it. But the moment that trilogy came out, I'm like, nope. Not even gonna yeah, bother. and and not only that, and but because I didn't really want it for any other console except for the Wii U. Mm-hmm. That's where that kind of is. Now that I think about it. No, it makes I, sense. I, I ended up just not buying it in general. Like I was interested in the game a little, but only if it was on the Wii U. Yeah, and I mean it, ma- it makes sense you don't get it for Wii U because you know new system, you need new games, you try new experiences. Yeah, so I was just never a fan of the fact that they decided we'll put the third one on and assume everyone's played the first two. Yeah, I mean the third one stood on its own to some extent. Oh, yeah, I, but I mean it's just apparently like, they catch you up with like comic books. Yeah, that's style, true. They added that. Yeah. Fine, I guess. Yeah, that would have done it. But, uh, but for a game that's known for, like, transferring your memory from game to game... It's a little weird. Of, yeah. I mean, that's supposed to be a hook, so... And then they just took it out completely. And then they go, look, we only sold 1%, and they stop supporting the system. And, you know, at the rate that the Wii U's currently selling, yes, it's improving, but at this rate, uh, if it were to stay as it is now, I would not be surprised at all if Ubisoft bailed. I mean, we've talked about on on the show before how, like, Splinter Cell sold, like, pathetically on Wii U. And even Rayman underperformed, although mo- over half its sales were on Wii U. Yeah, how like so. anything Zombie U in the future is like canceled. Yeah, now. Zombie U didn't underperform. Like it's, I would not be shocked if we see even the big. And even like uh, Warner Brothers, they you know WB Games, some of their stuff isn't coming to Wii U anymore either. So like some of the stuff they've announced, say three, yeah. were for other systems. They've been a strong Wii U support, but so clearly, I, I think this all indicates there's a bigger problem here, and that the Wii U, you know, even though Nintendo's been addressing. Some of the issues, like they've been, you know, they've been uh, doing all the big games that they can. They've been trying to do some sort of awareness campaign with the, like, Wii U Summer Tour and Wii U Mall Tour that's going on now and all that. Clearly, it might not be enough. Like, this is a bigger issue. And it seems like they're aware of this. Uh, in fact, they're definitely aware of this. Uh, their global president, Turi Wada, he was speaking with investors. They do, every time they release a financial, they do a... Uh, like an investor meeting where he basically gives a presentation and outlines, here's why we're doing what we're doing, here's how we're going to improve things, how, here's how we're turning things around. And then there's a big Q&A session which takes Nintendo forever to transcribe. So we have the actual presentation. And then next episode, in two weeks, we'll be able to do the Q&A, which is always the more interesting stuff because that's when it drops all sorts of hints and whatnot. But he was in the presentation, he was telling investors that... Uh, 
you know, even though we're seeing Pikmin 3, even though we're seeing Wind Waker HD, which are two fairly high-profile releases, he doesn't think that it's clear enough to many consumers that the Wii U is actually a successor to the Wii. Still, after all this well, time. after a year. Yeah, he's basically saying, yeah, we still haven't gotten the message right. So what he's hoping, and what he thinks will be well, the I mean, case... isn't it also kind of... I mean, I'm not 100% sure, like, still, like, how, I guess, marketing is kind of handled. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know, like, Nintendo of America, they're pretty much in charge of how the image of the Wii U is looked at in the U.S., right? Yeah, so. they work with Japan to have, like, a unified image, but they handle how to best present the image. Although now... So uh, doesn't that mean it's also, like, Nintendo, Nintendo of America's fault, Nintendo yeah. of Europe's fault, Nintendo of yeah, but everywhere? Yeah, but to some extent. They're all working under the same general, like, umbrella strategy, but how they execute it's a little different. So, like, you know, in America, for example, uh, we have commercials with Wayne Brady for We Part You. In Europe, they have uh, oh, a soccer Brady. player. I'm blanking out on who. In Japan, they have some big pop culture person there. So the idea is, like, oh, for We Party, we're going to do a celebrity commercial, and then each region picks mm-hmm. their celebrity. But it's interesting because Iwata is now uh, Iwata is now becoming the CEO of Nintendo CEO yeah chairman I don't remember which of Nintendo of America so he'll be very hands on with exactly our marketing strategy and I think it's already starting to happen because you're seeing a lot more like all the promotions in Japan are making the move to America too so but what I was gonna say though is um, during that investment meeting, he was saying that he thinks. The real way they're going to spell out at this point how they're going to say, hey, the Wii U is a separate system, is by, I don't know if I agree with this, direct sequels to Wii Fit and direct sequels to Wii Sports. Which is why we're seeing, you know, Wii Fit U just launched on Friday, the Friday before its podcast goes up on the 1st of November. Uh, It just launched on November 1st, and then Wii Sports comes out next week. And both of them are, they're kind of of similar to the original experiences, but they're clearly some sort of upgrade. You know, Wii Fit has the Fit Meter, Wii Sports has online and HD, and both of them are like, hey, you like this on the Wii, now look, here's a new one on this new thing. Like, they're making it as clear as day, like, this was the old one on the old system, and this is the new one on the new system, and you go from one to the other. You upgrade. So, that's their idea now. Uh, I mean, you could argue, like, because he's saying that's why, you know, once we spell that out, it'll be clear. I would argue... They might have helped if they advertised a little in the past year. Like, have you seen any Wii U commercials since launch? I've seen Sonic Lost World, and that's it. I haven't even seen Sonic Lost World. Yeah, I saw I don't even remember. I was, like, channel surfing. It just popped up. But there's, like, nothing. Yeah, and I like to think that, um... I mean, just based on, like, my work schedule, like, I do like to watch, like, certain, like, shows on Cartoon Network right. and Boomerang. Where and, it would be on that commercial. Yeah, like, and, yeah. I, and I usually watch it during the time that I guess, like, oh, okay, I, I guess like, if a kid were watching cartoons, this would be the time that they would watch it. And I haven't seen anything. Yeah. Like, yeah, nothing. Yeah, I mean... Like I, Pokemon commercials. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I see 3DS commercials all the time, yeah. but I never see Wii U commercials. It's kind of like... Nin- yeah, not Wind Waker, not... Yeah, nothing. Yeah, it's just strange, because it's like, why... Why did they... You know, like, why didn't they advertise their own stuff? It just doesn't make sense. But, but I mean, that's apparently partly intentional. Intentional. That was something else that I want to talk about in, the, in his presentation. Money? Not exactly that. But what they're doing is, at least in terms of why they're not advertising the Wii U, like, super full force, is he was saying that um, it might actually be hard to get people to, like, care and pay attention at this point. Because, you know, they pushed it last year during the holidays. People are aware the thing exists. They may not know what it is, but they know it's there. They made a judgment call. They moved on. Like, it's kind of over and done with, you know. As he put it, they, couldn't ca- they can't capture the, co- the, what was the term he used? Like, not the pop culture, but the society He's a, I think it's just a bad translation. He's like, we can't capture society's attention like we, you know, with just a simple TV ad or something. So what they're doing instead 
is, uh, you know, they're doing like the weird, you get to try Wii Fit you for a month for free, or you can play uh, Wii Sports Club for free for a day, and then you just pay however much you want to play, you know, like a day versus permanently two bucks versus ten bucks, that sort of thing. And the idea is Nintendo's hoping to create the word of mouth buzz building from the original Wii. Like, remember when Wii Sports came out and there's so much buzz, and I was like, oh yeah, I played with my family at Thanksgiving, and then, like, my cousins bought one, and everyone bought one? Or, like, and then when Wii Fit came out and experienced, like, this whole, like, interactive, like, fitness video games are the hot new thing, and, like, everyone, everyone was, like, yeah, talking about it. Like, like, oh, have you played this new Wii? Like, yeah. They're now trying to, their goal is, and this, and I watched, or spelled this out extremely clearly in that investment their goal is now they want to, like, kind of double down on that idea and do it again with the Wii U. Well. I don't think you can manufacture viral Wii Sports kind of buzz. Like, I, don't know, I, I, I'm, I mean, I don't know. I guess I, I guess it's just me, but I guess I was really surprised like by how much people like Wii Sports because I didn't think it was really anything special. It's the control. It's I'm, the fact I'm, that you're oh, yeah. doing it with motion. That's what it was. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I guess. No, I, yeah. I get what you're saying. Like in terms of the gameplay, it was like super rudimentary, but it was the fact yeah, that you but, were literally swinging. Yeah, swing. but I mean, I, yeah, I mean, putting myself in their position, like I mean, they, like. I, I knew some people that like have, their minds were blown, but I mean, it was just like yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, for, I, I know for, for a while, but then yeah, that's actually one reason I'm really excited for Wii Sports Club is it actually it, seems like a fleshed out version of Wii yeah, Sports. But yeah, and now you're right. I remember you mentioned like lots of times that the Wii U never really had anything quite like that. It's just it had no big buzz thing, and I don't even know if this is gonna work. I mean. I was saying that people are literally going to be like... The second screen, hey, if anything, dude. is more like of a, like, why does it have that as opposed to, oh, I want to try that. Yeah, exactly. I feel like with these, he's hoping that people just... Like, because part of the magic of Wii Sports was the fact that you swung... You know, it was really intuitive. Like you thumb. swing a TV oh. remote, like, you swing a tennis racket, and boom, it happens in the game. Like, it makes perfect sense. With the gamepad, it's a little more tricky, and it seems like I was almost saying, like, let's just try and recreate the, hey, have you tried this thing where you swing the remote, but now it's more accurate? It's like, that won't have the same magic, I don't think. But he's really hoping people go, Hey, did you see that new Wii Sports for that new Wii U? Pretty nifty, you should buy one. That idea sounded cool when they were announcing on Wii Sports Resort with the Wii Motion Plus. Yeah. And then they put it in there, like, oh, look at the Frisbee and how it could oh, yeah, yeah. it all around. And yeah, like, and oh. honestly, Wii Sports Resort sold pretty well, and it is pretty fun, and it does enhance. But it did, yeah. did, did things differently. Like, this one's like, hey, remember seven years ago? Oh, Skyward Sword Training. Yeah, yeah. But but with like with Wii Sports Club, it turns of if they want to do this viral word of mouth thing, it's like, hey, remember seven years ago and you played that Wii Sports game? That's pretty cool. And then it lasted like two years ago. Yeah, that was fun. It's back, and you can kind of aim it better. And there's this weird tablet attached to it. But it's online play, That's and it's online. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but that deserves some merit. Yeah, I'm just curious. I just don't know if his viral idea is going to work as well as he thinks. But um, he really did. I, well, I really did stress that they don't care about the initial sales of these games, which is why Wii Fit U is free for a month. And why, like, you know, Wii Sports, they're doing in this weird piecemeal, like, stretched out, you know, one game here, one game there as they develop them. Because uh, with games like these, with buzz building, that takes time. I mean, look at viral videos. That takes time. Like, that What Does the Fox Say video, you know, that music video that was all over right now. I remember watching it when it was, like, 6 million views, like, 6 weeks ago, 7 weeks ago, 8 weeks ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. Now it's at 140 million views, and it's all over now. Like, when when I saw it then, I was like, oh, this might blow up, whatever. And then here we are eight weeks later. So, it takes time for things, for word of mouth to spread. So, Nintendo's not expecting immediate results, I don't think. I think this is something, like, during the holidays, people will, you know, try it out, play it together, and then maybe they'll buy their own. Or say, I don't care, I did this six years ago. Although, I'm sure it's not what Nintendo wants. But, um, 
I mean, it, apparently they still some people care a little. Well, I made a point in his presentation that the balance board is still used by over half a million people in Japan regularly, like daily. So daily, wow. daily, and apparently the, with WeFitU they're targeting those people. That's why you only need a balance board; everything else is free. Yeah, I was kind of hoping you didn't need one at least to do like some things. Right. Oh yeah, because you downloaded it. Yeah. Yeah, I downloaded. It, I got the I got the the Wii Fit meter. Mm-hmm. Then I tried to I turned it on and said, "Do you have a balance board?" I'm like, "No, not right now." And then he said, "Come back when you have a balance board." That's it's it. so obnoxious. It's not even like uh, we recommend you go buy one. It's like come back when you have one. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> Did please tell me it closed itself? Like the software just shut down? No, you. you know, I don't think it gave you any other options. So your option uh, was pretty much. It would be pretty great out. if it just closed itself. It's like come back later and then it's off. Yeah. Or it just turns off the Wii U. So I have to go borrow my sisters. Yeah, and you'll have impressions of that in the next episode, right? Maybe. That's the plan, depending maybe. How... Yeah, depending on how the routine goes. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, I, so I don't know if... This word about... Yeah, it's just hard to say if this word mouse is going to be enough. Kind of doubling back to that. Especially because, like... I think something I was forgetting is the Wii had commercials, too. And television appearances. Like, with the Wii, yes, there was the... The element of, oh, let's gather around it around Thanksgiving and try it out. And Nintendo Smart, they're getting Wii Fit U and Wii Sports Club out That's in time for Thanksgiving. I still remember, like, all those, like, oh, we would like to play more yeah. than the... Yeah, exactly. Than the... Than the copy, dubstep copy, copy machine. machine. Yeah. With that... Well, I guess I just kind of remember thing. what's on the way, yeah. but... You we're making fun <laughs> of it, yeah. But, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, like, and, I mean, Nintendo's... They're hitting all the right notes in terms of setting it up to go viral. They're getting games out about two weeks before Thanksgiving, three weeks before Thanksgiving, so that's enough time people play it and go, I want to show my family and then do it. But they are missing We Were Like to Play, which is a brilliant set of commercials. They're missing the fact that they were on all the morning shows before launch. They had live TV segments before launch. People were buzz- were like buzzing about Wii Sports leading up to the release, not necessarily after. Like, once it was shown at E3, it kind of just blew up at that point. Like, September, October, before the week came out, it was everywhere. So, I don't know if they can recreate all that if they don't have that component. You know what I mean? Like, they can't recreate the whole viral nature if they're missing half of it. Mm-hmm. It's possible they're going to schedule TV appearances. It's possible they're going to have it out there, like, we fit, we well, fit I mean, you yeah, out I mean, there. I mean, aren't they going to just treat this like another relaunch, pretty much? That seems to be what they're doing. I mean, they launched a bunch of new bundles. They launched new controllers. They discounted games. They, yeah, it's like November 1st was like a kind of a relaunch. But they made the mistake of... Not putting it on TV. I've not seen any sort of, like... You know, when the weekend out, remember, it was like, the Today Show had it. Good Morning America had it. It was on, like, like sitcoms had the controller, like, you know, in random scenes. People would be playing it, like, within a year of the system coming out. None of that this time. So, it'll be interesting to see if the viralness will even work. I mean, it could even be... I feel like it could even... If it's not there, it could just hinder this viral plan that a lot of is thinking up. So... I don't know. Ty, I have a plan B. Yeah, I mean, to Nintendo's credit, after all this, to Nintendo's credit, and possibly to their own stupidity as well, they haven't been advertising and they haven't been putting the Wii U out there on purpose, they claim. What? I mean, on one hand, it makes sense because Wardaga advertised up until Pikmin 3 came out, they had nothing to advertise. But... Even after that, they didn't do anything, and the reason was they were pushing the 3DS super hard, and they made the conscious choice of playing 3DS first, Wii U second, which kind of makes well, sense when you have no games to yeah, play. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, if you bring attention to it, then a lot of people are going to be like, "Oh, cool! What are the what, what are games are there?" And they're like, "Oh, just oh, nothing." This? <laughs> oh, well, yeah. All right. 
So, I mean, it kind of makes sense, but, well, and now that Pokemon's out, and now that Zelda's about to come out for 3DS, they're switching back yeah. to Wii U. Like, in Japan, they've been doing heavy advertising, while I was saying this in the presentation, pretty heavy advertising for a couple weeks, and sales are already starting to see an uptick, but they didn't specify by how much. Yeah, making the best out of their best situation, I guess. Yeah, it's just, it's just like, why didn't they start, like, a month ago, or two months ago, when there's Pikmin, and Wonderful 101, and Wind Waker HD? Like, why are there no TV ads for those? Pikmin had one, but I never saw it on TV. I just saw it on YouTube. Yeah, I never thought. Oh, yeah. And I asked that one. So oh, yeah. okay. But it's just like, just I've the... seen the Pokemon one all the time. They aired the Pokemon ad during the final game of the World Series. Oh. oh. And yet they can't bother to air a single ad for Wonderful 101. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I guess the other, so that's half the the issue with the Wii U and its current sales is all the, you know, the buzz building, the marketing, getting the word out. The other half of the issue is, of course, the price, which has been a huge hindrance for the console up till now, or up till September. Because, you know, the Wii, it was 350 for a deluxe set. That was pretty high price, especially when there weren't very many games to play. They dropped it to 300 which still is a little too high for some people. The Wii was at 250 when it blew up. So the Wii U already is at a $50 disadvantage. So uh, Nintendo's trying to add more value without cutting the cost. Because if they cut the cost any lower, they lose more, more money. Are. Yeah, exactly. And then that, the, uh, that 62 million yen that I mentioned earlier that would have been their profit if they weren't taking losses they'd be having more losses because obviously they'd you know, be losing more money on the console. But what they're doing instead and what I made a point of this was uh, something they're specifically specifically doing in lieu of a price cut is all these different bundles that are happening. And there's a lot of them. So he thinks that, uh, a lot of thinks this is the way to go because you know it, it allows you to have a perceived better value without actually cutting the cost too much can't really go into detail, but if you think about it, it does make sense. Because, like, Nintendo loses X amount of dollars on the hardware. They're going to lose that no matter what. Or, they give away a game that costs a dollar, that costs under a dollar to print on a disc. And sure, they might not get as much development cost back up, up front. But if the game's good, and if people then buy it with the system down the road, they'll yeah. get their money back eventually. While a console, when they sell it, they lose the money right then and there, and that's it. Yeah, it's all about the game. So, yeah, so this is a long-term play. Yeah. And it, it, it does make sense. I mean, and the bundles are actually pretty decent. Japan got probably the biggest one. And it has, it's a full deluxe set. It comes with Nintendo Land and Super Mario Bros. U. Uh, both installed on the console. Oh. And to tie in with this whole idea of, you know, recreating the Wii momentum, it has a huge logo of Wii Sports Club and a huge logo of Wii Fit, like, right on the box. So it looks like you're getting four games, essentially. Oh. Two for sure and two that you kind of pay for. Uh, here in the U.S., the most comparable bundle we're getting is um, for... Skylanders, of all things. So Sky, Activision and Nintendo teamed up and they're doing a Skylanders Swap Force bundle. It launches on November 15th, for anyone that may be interested. Uh, it's actually not that bad of a deal, but it's not quite as good as the Japanese one. How many one. figures does it come with? It comes with three figures. The Power Portal to transport oh, into yeah. the game. A basic Wii. A basic white Wii. I mean Wii U, sorry. Oh, yeah. A, well, basic, really no, a basic set Wii, white Wii U. So that's where they all went when they pulled them off shelves. They stuck them in Skylanders. Uh, and a poster. And a poster. Oh. All for, uh... All I've never for... actually seen a poster come out with a... Console. Yeah, I know. I've seen CDs. Remember when they bundled the Wii with the Mario Galaxy orchestrated soundtrack for no reason? Oh. It came with Mario... Uh, New Super Mario Brothers Wii and the Mario Galaxy soundtrack because apparently someone at Nintendo got their Marios mixed up. But, but, uh... But yeah, the Skylanders one isn't bad. I mean, it's 300 bucks, which is the same as the deluxe sets, and it comes with way more. All its stuff, if you, like, tally it up, comes to, like, $380. So you're actually saving a good amount of money. Yeah. And it's a really smart play to get parents to, you know, get the system for their kids, because Skylanders is huge with kids. 
So that that's one bundle Nintendo's doing, which is pretty good value. And then for everyone else, they redid the deluxe set. This launched on the first alongside the Wii Fit U trial. And the new deluxe set um, replaces Nintendo Land with... Oh, I forgot something with Skylanders. This was a big one. Nintendo Land comes with the Skylanders bundle. So you get Nintendo Land, Skylanders, the figurines, the poster, the power portal, all for Man, it's going to make some kid happy in Christmas. Seriously. And it it is a really good deal. I knew there was an element because I'm like, I'm missing something that made it, like, excellent. What was it? But yeah, so with the normal deluxe set, they swapped out... does it come with another Wiimote, at least? I don't think so. Well, like, oh. I guess at that point I'd be asking for too much. Yeah, a little. But uh, but yeah, so the new normal deluxe set is going to be Mario, New Super Mario Bros. U and New Super Luigi U on a single disc. First time they're doing that. And uh, it's also going to have all the normal deluxe stuff. And they took out Nintendo Land and they're now selling it standalone for $30. So basically they're setting up the Wii U to be like the budget next-gen console. Because you're going to have like PS3 at $400... Xbox One at $500, or get a Wii U with two games, all these various accessories, and a bunch of cheap games, like a $30 Nintendo Land, and these cool little Mario and Luigi controllers for, like, the same, for way less price, if not. And if you buy even more games, you can, you know, for 500 bucks you get, like, three games in the system and accessories and whatnot. So from yeah. Nintendo's angle, it kind of makes sense to do these, but um, both, uh, both the bundles, like I said, are two ninety nine, so they're not, they're, they're value adds completely, and that's totally what they're doing. It, and um, on top of that, of course, they have We Fit You and We Sports Club as well. Mm-hmm. Just, so like you're, so they could if they were to stick stickers on these boxes, which I'm kind of surprised they haven't, they could do what they're doing in Japan. Be like, look, you're getting four games and a console for with a tablet thingy for three hundred bucks, which is a pretty appealing thing yeah, I mean, for a parent. Four games that already, I mean, tickets taking averages from the other consoles would be like two hundred bucks already. Mm-hmm. And most parents would know that already, because yeah. I mean, I mean, they're always buying games for their kids. So, yeah, and I mean, obviously they're not. Uh, what was I gonna say? Obviously they're not quite being totally honest about this Nintendo because it, we fit use free for a month. Uh, we Sports Club is free for twenty four hours, but still they can be like four games include included, and just two happen to be pay to play. Yeah. So I mean, it, it does look like a steal, and I think this is exactly what Iwata's plan is. Because the bundles are, like I said, they're just value adds. They're, you know, they're just saying, here's a $300 system, but look at all the stuff we're throwing on top of it. So they don't have to do a price drop, and they can just keep piling on, and they can, you know, save money that way and prevent it from cutting costs. And it gets to the point where they have to give up their whole library of games per bundle. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's fine because uh, it seems like they're willing to do it. Because while I was saying to the Wall Street Journal that, like, Nintendo, like, everything they're doing right now, like, all this stuff, yeah, Nintendo's suffering in the short term, but they're all, it's totally for the long term. So yeah, if they have to bundle like seven games eventually, they will probably do it because down the road they can make back that money pretty easily. So, uh, you know, it's one of those things that between the buzz building and the, not exactly price drop, but the bundling, I guess, they could conceivably, you know, this does seem like a sound level, a sound strategy at some level for Nintendo to get the Wii U to pick up momentum. But I don't know if it's quite what Nintendo's hoping they're going to be able to achieve, because they didn't change. They're planning to sell 9 million Wii U's by March 2014, the end of their Yikes. fiscal quarter. Yeah, they've just a reminder, they've sold 460,000 since, uh, you know, this year. So they have 8.54 million to go. 8.54 million to do between now and March 31st. That's five months. Even if the Wii U, like, exploded in popularity, yeah, I don't were... think they could do that in five months. Mm-hmm. That seems really, a little really excessive. Yeah. 
So it'll be interesting. And and obviously they also have Mario 3D World to sell systems. And they have, you know, just, uh, I guess to some extent Mario and, and uh, Sonic at the Olympic Games. Those are usually popular. And they have Wind Waker. So they have games. But there's no way. There's no way they're going to sell that many. Gotta so, be optimistic, man. I guess. I mean, I'm just curious to see... Uh, I'm just curious to see how it does. And I hope it does well for Nintendo, because Iwa said in a statement to some uh, some news outlet, I feel like Reuters, maybe, basically he said that the Wii U's future kind of hinges on this. As he put, they're going to have to... This is the holiday season that counts. They're, if it, things don't go well, they're going to seriously reevaluate the console's future. So oh, they could yeah. end up dreamcasting it if... If things totally bomb, like if none of this works, which I don't think will be the case, I think we'll, it'll be somewhere in a couple million. But if it totally bombs, that's it. It might it might be the end for the Wii U, or they might do some crazy thing like removing the gamepad and turning it into a true budget HD console. Oh man! So I mean, that could work for Nintendo. The yeah. Wii was the budget system against PS3 and 360. So yeah, I guess as long as like, nothing else really changes from it, because I mean, yeah, because like the gamepad isn't for like two thirds of games. It's it's kind of the same as the 3D effect. Yeah. Like, any game that has off-TV play doesn't need the gamepad. Because, you know, if it's off-TV play, you don't have the two screens anymore. Like, War for 1-1, they just do picture-in-picture. Picture. Yeah. Wind Waker, they just take off the the menu and move it to the start button. Like, there are ways around yeah. not I mean, The only ones the I can think of like, are just, like, Game of Wario and Pikmin 3. I mean, right. you, I mean you could right. play without the map on Pikmin 3, but it would definitely... Yeah, but even then, they have a workaround. It's Game & Wario and Nintendo Land are, like, the two that, if they don't have the gamepad, they would not work right. Yeah. So, but I, I would, I mean, this is the company that just dropped 3D from the 3DS. Like, I would not be shocked if, if like, push comes to shove, worst case scenario, I could see them dropping the gamepad. I would not want them to. I think it's a bad idea for, uh, like, the gamers who, you know, want yeah. all the games to work. But it is an option if they have to take it. But hopefully it won't come to that. And that would affect, like, game development, because then they would... Yeah, I mean, like, oh, we're going to make the game with no gamepad in mind. It's already happening with the 3DS. You have Classic Controller Pro or just mirror it. Yeah. It's already happening with the 3DS. The, um... In an interview, this was a while ago, we didn't cover it at the time, but E.G. Numa, producer of the Zelda franchise, he was saying that for A Link Between... or Yeah, A Link Between Worlds, some of the... They made some very minor tweaks to address the fact that the 2DS doesn't have 3D. So they made some very minor tweaks to puzzles and whatnot that would only really work in full 3D. So, it's, like, Nintendo's, you know, if this were to happen with the Wii U, they it would definitely become a situation where the gamepad is unnes- completely unnecessary. So hopefully it doesn't come to that. But like I said, I think they'll sell a few million. I think it'll be okay. They're, it's not going to be, like, I don't think it's going to be another Wii, but I think it can definitely hold its own. I mean, On the other hand... Is yeah. the unfortunate future ever comes as long as Netflix still works on it? Yeah, as long as Netflix still works. As long as it's a streaming box, it's good. But, yeah, and I mean, and the thing is, to be honest, if it was all just, like, rainbows and puppies and happy-go-lucky, yay, Nintendo, you're awesome, wouldn't make for as interesting of a discussion about a podcast. they just be like, yep, Nintendo's number one again, okay. So, as awful as it is that this That's is happening... It's been a while since we even did that. I know. But, uh, as awful as it is for Nintendo that this is happening, and the silver lining is that it's actually not bad for us. It gives us stuff to talk about. Um, on the other hand, moving away from Ninten- from the Wii U trouble, Nintendo, uh, is able to play it a bit more safe and be a bit more confident with how the 3DS is doing. So, in the same, uh, financial report, they, uh, gave us the 3DS numbers. From July to September, it sold 3.89 million units around the world, which brings its total sales since it came out back in 2011 to just shy of 35 million. 
which is pretty good. Uh, in this year alone, like since January, uh, Nintendo's also been seeing shares of the hand its share of the handheld gaming market going up here in the West, like Europe and uh, America. And in Japan, the system has already moved over five million units since the start of the year. The only other system that has done that is the original DS, which is like, like you know, obviously one of the best selling systems of all time. And it took the original DS a whole twelve months to sell five million in a year. The 3DS has already hit that, and we're at and at the time it was at ten months in. So Nintendo's optimistically thinking it can get to five point five million and completely break the record. So that'd be kind of cool, and that's primarily driven by Monster Hunter Four, which is huge in Japan, and by Pokemon X and Y, which, while not in this quarterly report because came out right after. Uh, has already sold 4 million copies in a single weekend, as we mentioned in a different episode of this podcast when they first announced it. And Wallace says that's driving hardware sales of the 3DS pretty well around the world. Yeah. So, well, so things we, are going we, well for the 3DS. Do we know, like, I guess, obviously, I'm pretty sure, I'm willing to bet that in Japan the 3DS copy of Monster Hunter did better than the Wii U copy, right? Of what 4? It, 4 isn't on Wii U. No, 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 I'm talking about oh, of, 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 3 Ultimate. Uh, yeah, because the user base is better. B- bitter. Bitter. The user base is so bitter. No, it's better, so I was trying to say. <laughs> so bitter. Yeah, it's, uh, the user, it's a bigger user base to work with. It's kind of like right. the EA thing I was saying, where it's like they have such a small user base, why would they bring it to Wii U? In this case, it's, you know, Monster Hunter will sell better on 3DS because there's more people to buy it. Yeah, and everyone that wants to play online, I guess, we just have to buy it. Yeah, pretty much. But, um... Yeah, software-wise for 3DS, just going back to the numbers real quick, uh, it's doing pretty well for itself as well. Sales, uh, it's a 40% increase in software, hitting 27.38 million games sold between June and September. And that's thanks in large part to Animal Crossing launching here in America and in Europe, where it sold over 2 million copies. So, between the two. So that's pretty good. And it's actually the biggest game of the quarter, followed by Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon, which is just trucking along. It managed to sell 1.91 million copies. Then there's uh, Mario Luigi Dream Team, which came out in, what, early August? And it held its own pretty well with 1.37 million copies. And then Donkey Kong Country Returns 3D is still doing better than I thought it ever would with 1.19 million copies. So 3DS is doing well, and Nintendo says these sales are continuing steadily beyond the quarter they're reporting in, and expect it to stay that way during the holidays. That's kind of part of the reason they're able to now focus on Wii U marketing, because they got all the games out for 3DS, Pokemon, Pokemon Zelda are Final 2, and now they can just kind of coast on those and turn their attention towards getting people to be interested in the Wii U. So, uh, there's one thing that I want to mention during the investor meeting that I thought was kind of interesting, though, and that's about the 2DS, which is only out here in the Americas and in Europe. Japan doesn't have a 2DS. But uh, he mentioned that they're actually going to be pushing the system way harder going forward. The thing about the 2DS, we kind of, I kind of covered this in the extra on the site I wrote a while ago, why the 2DS is a good idea. It's actually a good idea. This is a full title, if anyone's curious. And one of the things I was saying is, you know, the price point, barrier of entry is much lower. That's good for entry-level gamers. They could sell it to a new a blue ocean of sorts. They're all blue ocean strategy. They could sell it to a market they couldn't previously sell it to. And, you know, it's a whole new market they could work with. And now they're trying to push that market harder because apparently... There's not very high awareness about the 2DS right now. So if you thought it was weird to see in all the new Zelda trailers only on Nintendo 3DS and 2DS with that goofy double logo thing they were doing, it's going to be happening a lot more. They're going to be pushing it a lot harder. I wouldn't be surprised. Mm -hmm. I don't think it'll ever get quite to this point, but I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing the 2DS being like the default system they use when they do like promotional photos and whatnot with the 3DS just kind of in the background. You know I'm talking about? Like when they show like... When you're watching, like, a video of Zelda or whatever, and they have, like, the border around the footage, and it's, like, the system. 
It's great. I wouldn't be surprised if that becomes a 2DS. I wouldn't be surprised if we see, um, like, if they do, like, lifestyle foes, like, people playing the systems, if it's a lot more 2DSs. If at events, the demo kiosks have a lot of 2DSs. Like, it seems like they're really going to try and push it, especially for the younger entry level. So, I just thought that was an interesting tidbit he added. And, uh, what do you like or not? 2DS is here to stay. No. And honestly, that pretty Makes much... Pokemon run smoother, though. Yeah, that's true, because well, you can't I mean... turn on the, the frame rate breaking 3D. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, everyone has a 2DS. You have to turn the slider down, and there you go. There you go. But, uh, yeah, because the thing with the 2DS is, by taking out that 3D option, super cheap to build. Which is how they're able to keep the price down. Yeah, and that's also why it's only one giant screen inside. Still surprised that even in spite of the fact that they took off the 3D feature, it still looks like that Kirby game coming out is like relying, like using trying to use 3D yeah. like so much. Which goes so much against what I was just saying about how Anuma was talking about taking out 3D features. Yeah, so it's, weird. it's like I don't know if Nintendo I mean, has decided like the way to make poppy parts. I mean. Yeah, well, I guess the thing with the Kirby one is yeah, it relies on 3D a lot, but nothing doesn't work in 2D. Like it's. All the I, all the con it's like mutant muds on Wii U yeah, has but I mean, 3D they effects, but they're not 3D. Or something. I mean, Kirby is their go-to experiment thing anyway. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of a bummer how they went with Rage Generic. Something kind of funny actually on their financial report, they list like upcoming games. They didn't even bother coming up with a name for Kirby. It just says a new Kirby game as the name of the Kirby oh, wow. game. Yeah, it's just like usually they do like Kirby TBD or you know like to be determined or Kirby 3DS or something, but nope, just a new Kirby game. So uh, I think that actually kind of wraps up the financials and all that, you know, Nintendo strategy, Nintendo strategy going forward. It's certainly interesting how they're approaching yeah. the Wii. Yeah, that was not a Jason Sells corner. That was yeah, more. Than, I, more I than, wouldn't even say that more was, than a corner. I wouldn't even say yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't even call it Jason Sales corner this time because a lot of it it wasn't. I mean, yeah, I spat out I spat out some numbers, but it's really more Nintendo strategy and what I think does and doesn't work for them and what could and couldn't work. Because I think the viral thing, you know, as someone that works in online communities and social media and that sort of thing. I think the viral thing is really interesting because, yeah, you can try and make something go viral, but it's always hard to actually succeed. So I'll be curious to see how that goes. And, but speaking of the viral thing, uh, one of the games that they're trying to do that with, as we mentioned, is Wii Sports Club. And the game's a week away. It comes out November 7th, and we're actually finally getting some information on the rest of the package. So when it launches on November 7th, we're going to get tennis and bowling. Each will be 10 bucks a pop. Or you can pay $2 to play for a day, which Iwata said during the financial briefing actually uh, is designed specifically for people who bring it out during holidays or bring it out for family get-togethers or whatnot. So once again, factoring in that whole, oh, it's for, you know, let's recreate that virus, let's recreate that word of mouth, let's have everyone play it during Thanksgiving. Oh, you don't want to pay for the game? That's fine, just pay 2 bucks and rent it for a day, whatever. So it's it's interesting that they're, they're really, like, crafting everything around this. But anyway, that's beside the point. Um, they did an Iwata asks on Nintendo.com, to talk about Wii Sports Club. And yes, even in this age of Nintendo Directs, where all the news comes out of those videos, apparently a while asks still give information. I think this is the first time in like two years that there's an actual new game information within one of those interviews. But the, uh, Usually it's okay. like behind the scenes, just like, so how long did you work on it? What was the trouble you had? Oh, well, we couldn't craft this wooden block to look accurate. It always looked too cartoony. You know, like weird things like that. But this is actually like meaty info. So we now know how the guy worked the next three games, kind of. Uh, and it's really cool because they're all mimicking the E3 2011 Wii U unveiling demo, where they showed, like, you know, you're golfing with the gamepad on the floor and everything. So actually, with golf, that's exactly how they're doing it. The ball's going to be displayed on the gamepad screen on the floor. You're going to have the TV showing the fair, uh, the fairway in front of you. And what you do is you, you know, use the Wii Remote Plus to, aim, to line up your shot with the ball on the floor. And if you tilt the Wii Remote Plus, you can now tilt the... Uh, the club, the head of the club. 
So what that means is you can actually angle your shot a lot more accurately. You can see how you're angling it and whatnot. And also by having the ball on the ground, literally on the ground on its own screen, you can get a better sense of the terrain you're stuck in, you know, like how bad, how tall the grass is, how bad the sand trap is, whatever. Yeah. So it, it actually seems like a logical fit. Like it's a real, it seems like a good implementation. It seems more like a sequel to the golf mode than just golf again. So that's kind of cool. And baseball actually is also doing some really clever things where uh, you're swinging the Wii Remote like a bat and the other player is using the gamepad as the pitcher. So what they can do is they use the gamepad to choose their type of pitch and how their, you know, and the course the pitch is going to take. And if it's anything like that demo from E3 2011, that requires holding it up to your face, using the gyro to aim. Oh, to catch the ball? No, not, not to catch the ball, but it'd be like, you hold up to your face and it shows like a viewfinder of the batter down the way. Oh. And then, like, you have, like, a little reticle that you move the gamepad around to line up the reticle for where you want the ball to go. And then you select the pitches with some, like, quick button presses or whatever. But ideally, catching the ball would be part of it, too. Although, I don't know how that would work. You have to, like, hold the gamepad flat and, like, run around the living room with it, I oh. guess. Because you don't know where the ball's going to be. Well, I mean, I guess... Uh, I guess all you could do is just, um, hold... Wait, no, I... If you think it was something would be different. Never mind. Scratch that idea. Okay. We'll yeah. pretend that didn't happen. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> My bad. No, that's cool. But, um, uh, yeah, they haven't confirmed that that gyro aiming thing's actually happening. They just said the gamepad will be used for aiming, but I'm really hoping it does. Because that looks super cool in the E3 2011 demo. Oh. Like, you know what I'm talking about, right? Where he's like, he holds up the gamepad and he just kind of moves it around. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, like the, we, a, yeah, it's like yeah, a baseball scope. Yeah, yeah with the back, ca- where the, yeah, the catcher where he caught the yeah. ball. Yeah, yeah. And then with the other guy, the pitcher, when there was the guy in the outfield, he also caught the ball. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Yeah, all like, that. The, the golfing, that didn't seem that useful. It just seems like you can strategize better. Because like I was saying a few minutes ago, or started yeah. today, I don't think I ever finished the thought, maybe I did, is that uh, if you can actually see how you're, cur- how you're you know, rotating the golf club, and you can actually see the environment the ball's in, could presumably yeah. do a much better um, shot. Yeah, I could see that. Okay. Yeah. The one game they didn't fully detail in the OR asks was boxing, and they're trying to figure out how to handle uh, online play with it, because it's obviously way more fast and furious and intense and instant than any of the others. So don't expect that anytime soon, they said. It's probably not going to be for a while, and they and they haven't touched on how they're going to do the control change, like how the controls will change, if at all. Yeah. So that's what's coming down the pipe. Uh, the interesting thing about the majority, or the interesting thing about all of these, is that the majority of Wii Sports Club is actually being developed by Namco Bandai, not Nintendo, mm-hmm. which kind of came out of left field. Namco Bandai is also doing Smash Brothers, coincidentally. Well, uh, we're hoping. No, they're Namco Bandai is making Super Smash Brothers for Wii U and 3DS. Sakurai is heading up a team at Namco Bandai. Oh wow! Yeah, because Sakurai's team of Sora, you know, like yeah. uh, that's like him. It's his consulting company. It's like him and maybe a couple other people. But yeah, they work with like um, Kid Icarus. They brought in a whole bunch of people. They hired him just for that and then let him go. Uh, Smash Bros. Uh, Brawl. It was made by primarily by a company called Game Arts and Sora kind of oversaw it with Nintendo. So with Smash Bros. for Wii U and 3DS, they're taking Sora, Sakurai's hanging up as Sora. Nintendo's giving input and then the developer like nitty gritty coding is being done at Namco Bandai. Mm-hmm. Which is living yeah. Namco. Yeah, the last time Namco Bandai or well Namco made a Nintendo game that I could think of was uh, Star Fox Assault. Amazing multiplayer. Yeah. <laughs> I really like it, but I still don't think it's a true Star Fox in some ways. In some ways, it totally is. In other ways, that's it's true. Fell Star off. Fox you can never get. Yeah, well, I know. Isn't it your favorite? 
Yeah, yeah. Will be. I, I, it'll never pass 64 for me. But anyway, that's beside the point. We've had this conversation many times over it'll the years. It'll take that much to pass 64. It takes everything to pass the 64. The game just has to work. Hey. Hey. I don't have a comeback, but no, <laughs> you're wrong. 64 is a bit... The thing is 64... Oh, no, we're not right. going down this trail. We've done this... Right, the, right, we really, did this like a year ago, this conversation. All right, this is really good. I turned on um, Star Wars 64 like a few weeks ago. Wow... Well, I, I guess what are you wowing? The graphics, the gameplay, everything about it—it it just was so bad. Sixty-four on a sixty on an N sixty-four. Yeah. I think. I don't oh, know. it looks awful now. Maybe because I guess I have no nostalgia for it whatsoever. That it just seems like wow, like wow. I'm pretty sure I'm blinded by nostalgia, but I would rather be blinded by nostalgia than when it comes to Star Fox sixty-four than never have experienced. I mean, it. like, I mean, and there's like, there's still some N sixty-four games that still look great. Like, I mean, Super Mario sixty-four, I still think looks like yeah. awesome, even if in, in its polygonal glory. Yeah, and also a link to the past, but Star Fox, man, yeah. Oh, well, link to the pa- a link to the past. You mean Ocarina of yeah, Time? Yeah, Ocarina of Time. Yeah, I was like, a link to the past yeah, looks yeah, great because yeah. it's sprites. <laughs> Can't, I'm, I'm sprites don't age. Stuff. Yeah, sprites don't age. Yeah. Um. Anyway. But yeah, back to Namco Bandai. Yeah, yeah, so they're developing it. Uh, what how Nintendo's doing is they brought in some of the original, uh, Wii Sports people to supervise it, and they have EAD, which is their internal team that made the original Wii Sports, also contributing. But it's basically Namco Bandai who's handling. This remake, sequel, whatever you want to call it. And, I mean, it is a smart approach for Nintendo. I mean, it seems toy out of feel, but it actually makes a lot of sense, I think. Because, uh, you know, Nintendo's been complaining for a while, Miyamoto and all of them, about how hard HD development is and how they don't have enough resources and they didn't, they didn't know what they are getting it's into. It's too hard. It's too much work and they don't know how to do it. And so now they're, they enlisted Namco Bandai, who has plenty of experience with HD, to handle the smaller HD product of literally updating a game Can that already exists. Yeah, it's like, guys, can you help us? So it kind of makes sense. It lets Nintendo focus on AAA tiles that really require a lot of effort. And then they can kind of field out these lessers. I mean, it's also like uh, Wind Waker HD. They had another developer assist with the conversion of everything. Yeah. So it's smart. It lets Nintendo really focus on what they need to focus on while still releasing games in a timely manner. So, And that's also probably how they were able to like, kind of stealth it. Like They announced it like a month ago. Now it's out. Practically, because yeah. they were like, "Oh, we'll just have Namco Bandai do it. It's fine." So, um, in terms of the actual release schedule for the game, it's actually kind of interesting how they're doing it as well. Um, each game's gonna be delivered by Spot Pass to your. Oh. It's gonna be delivered by Spot Pass to your console um, as it's released. So when first when we Sports Club comes out, the entire software package will arrive. If you have enough room on your Wii, it will arrive automatically by Spot Pass. So once again, uh, Iwata wanting to recreate the feel of the original Wii and that buzz uh, that came with it. Yeah, you get a Wii and it comes with Wii Sports. Now you get a Wii U. <clears throat> excuse me. Now you get a Wii U. And if you already had one, boom, the software's going to download automatically. If you don't have one yet, eventually it's going to be installed, probably pre-installed on And this there. is for Wii Sports, right? I mean, Wii obviously Sports they can't really do that for Wii Fit. Wii Fit, because no, not no. everyone has the balance. No, and, and not only that, but with Wii Sports Club, what they're doing is... Da- you download the software and then you open the software and download each game within it. So you're just downloading like the container, so to speak. It's yeah, like Zen we, Pinball. Yeah, Zen Pinball. Yeah. Which actually did it today. Oh. To make room for Wii Fit just so I could still keep my symmetry. Oh, yeah, because you yeah, you have this weird thing where like Especially all your, I mean, all your never, games have to be symmetrical. Yeah, I never even used Zen Pinball, so what's the point? Yeah. But, uh, what was I going to say? It's up to do with the... Spot Pass. Oh yeah, Container, so they're so pushing it. yeah yeah. So they're good. Thank you. So they're gonna have Spot Pass for each game as it comes out, and each time the new game comes out, you get a new twenty four hour trial. Because how it works is the second you get Wii Sports Club, you get a free twenty four hours to play whatever you want. 
And then as they release each sport, you will then get 24 hours to play all the sports again, as much as you want in those 24 hours. And they so start the moment you it. start playing it, right? The 24 hours I think start? so. I believe it's the moment you first open it. Alright. Or the moment you first open the Saturday. Sport. Play for a whole day straight. And then yeah, exactly. And then never play yeah. again. Yeah, 24 hours. Yeah, that's, but, a, that's a good amount. And they can do it every so often when they release the new sports. So yeah. what I'd really like to see is that uh, if the developer, you know, if they they're cutting their teeth on the on the remakes, but they could do more sports. It'd be cool if they started developing their own and they just turned this into almost like a platform within the Wii. Like Wii Sports Club is just like you know, like thirty sports at some point. Like they Honestly, could yeah, integrate. Where do they like darts or something? Before. Yeah, that'd be cool. And then they could do like Wii Sports Resort sports. They could bring those in I mean, that's too. A club game. What else would work on pool? Pool. They could definitely do that with the Wii Motion Plus. Yeah, I actually, you know what? They should totally do this. Wii Sports Club. Maybe they are. Maybe that's the ultimate plan that they're just gonna keep releasing games and charge ten bucks. You could like grab two emotes and pretend you're shuffling a deck. <laughs> that's easy. Or you could just uh, use the gamepad to. Move cards around with your fingers. Oh, yeah, no, not casino games. They could do the... the yeah, now you're getting Clubhouse games, which is a whole other Nintendo casual franchise. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so Wii Sports Club, I think that's about it. I don't know. Honestly, like, I'm kind of excited to try bowling and tennis out next week. Like, I don't know why I've played them before. It's the same game, just slightly prettier and online, but I'm actually... And with Miiverse integration... Which actually works kind of interestingly. You write all your messages in advance and map them to the D-pad. And you just pick one of the four. Oh, like the Smash Bros. The Brawl Talk Exactly, line. yeah. But the difference is you can draw your messages this time. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of excited for this. I think primarily because it's like a brand new approach for how Nintendo's releasing games. They've never quite done this. Where they do, like, kind of a pay-to-play, free-to-play model. But, yeah. it. I'll definitely... Next episode, impressions, for sure. Um, another game. This one definitely more core than casual, is Mario 3D World. And you know, we're getting close to release. It's getting to a point where it's almost oversaturation of information. But what's interesting is Nintendo still has modes to announce. I didn't, I didn't even know how. And they still have items to announce. And they still have so much. And it's becoming... They've been doing, like, non-stop coverage lately. They've been putting out trailers. They put out a great... Did you see the six-minute overview tra- trailer they yeah, put out? Dude. It's actually, like, it looked really good in that. And, uh, they had that, they've been, they had, I was, uh, not I was, excuse me, they had Miyamoto and a couple of the other developers, one of who I met at, e- at, uh, the Best Buy event during E3, which was neat. Anyway, they had them do, like, 16 different interviews or something, it was, like, a, two round tables with, like, 16 different articles came out of it or something, and between all of that, the trailer, the interviews, the hands-on play sessions, we got a lot of new information in the last couple of weeks about Mario 3D World. So, um, the bulk of it really revolves around the idea that, and it's becoming super apparent of this, that Mario 3D World is not just a sequel to 3D Land. It's really like a combination of 3D Land, the new, Mar- the, new the side-scrolling New Super Mario Bros. games, and even Mario Galaxy. Like, the sheer number of things that are happening in the game. Like, just listen to this list of items and power-ups. And it's just like, it's literally, they're pulling from everything. Like, there's the cat suit, obviously. There's double Marios, there's fire Marios, there's tanuki Marios, there's boomerang Mario. There's Mega Mario from the original New Super Mario Bros., there's the white Tanuki Mario from 3D Land who did the, like, uh, you know, if you get stuck somewhere. Then on top of that, there's items you can use. There's a cannon box that shoots a projectile, the first new projectile since the fire and ice balls. Uh, there's a light box that you, you can use to scare ghosts. There's a coin box from Mario, from New Super Mario Bros. 2. There's the propeller box from New Super Mario Bros. Wii. There's a baseball you can throw. There's a Koopa shell you can throw. There's a Goomba mask you can wear. There's a piranha plant you can carry to eat enemies. And on top of that, there's random rideable objects like a dinosaur, which I have played and is pretty fun. And a giant uh, ice skate that you sit in, kind of like the 
boot from yeah, Mario 3. Versus, yeah. yeah. It's just like everything's just like crammed. And then they have the multiple character switching from Mario 2. Like, everything's just crammed like, in there. Are there costumes or anything? Oh, this is not the whole list. This is definitely not the whole list. Uh, the the impression I got reading articles about this when you know I was compiling all this stuff is that uh, there's a lot more. This is just what Nintendo's choosing to show so far. But it's just like such an insane list. And like some of the stuff in there, you know, like the baseball that you throw, that's only going to be used once or twice. Like they're really, I feel like the game's really going with that Galaxy Mario Galaxy philosophy of come up with as many crazy cool things as you can. doesn't matter if the mechanic's only in a single level. It'll be worth it. Just Just go wild. So it, it just makes it even more exciting. Cause like when the game is first announced, like oh it's 3D land, but on Wii U and HD. But now it's turning into like Mario Galaxy. It just happens to be a little more contained. Yeah. So it's super exciting. But beyond the items, like I said, they did announce some new modes, which I didn't really expect. Um, first up, there's online integration, not just for uh, stamps, which we were wrong about when we talked about them previously. How it works is each level has a hidden stamp, and as you go around the level and find the stamps, you can then stamp those stamps into drawings on Miiverse. So you can basically have some help with your art, and then you can customize them however you want, draw on top of them, that sort of thing. Like, they're just like, it's like a stamp, and they can write next to it or draw in it or on it. Yeah. And yeah. So that's whatever. But the cool thing they're doing with online, which I didn't really expect, is um, they have ghost me's. So you can download other players' runs of specific levels once you beat them and see how they do it. And that's yeah, just seems... pretty much like how the trailer said, like, oh, I want to see the fastest way to just, like, follow someone that yeah, looks like they exactly. know what they're doing, or... And it open. I think it really opens up a great opportunity, because remember when uh, Nintendo was doing this on Miiverse for a while, they would post the super, super plays for New Super Mario Bros. U, where they had the developers do all these insane speed runs. Imagine if you could just download the Miis instead and kind of learn how to do the speed run by just following them through the course a few times or whatever. Like, it just seems like a natural progression, and one that's totally within Nintendo's ecosystem instead of having to rely on YouTube. Um, of those super plays. Like, that could actually be a really cool... I wonder if that's what inspired it, because that just seems like the, a really cool, you know, next step for that, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, it's a neat idea. Like, for people that like speedrunning, it's perfect. And you can have, like... Imagine if you, like, download, like, Miyamoto's playthrough of a level, and you can, like, play along with him, sort of. Yeah, you know, yeah, I can see that being... It's yeah, actually yeah. really neat. I mean, especially if those, like, exact, like, the... Like the people you mentioned, the ones that make the super play, they yeah. themselves are like, oh, we're releasing a ghost and trying yep. to beat our challenge. Yeah, or they like just make an announcement in like the dev room of the what will ultimately be the Mario 3D World Miiverse community. Just like, hey, uh, imagine if they did polls. Like, what level do you want to speedrun? And they have like a couple different options and you pick and then they, you can download the data. Like, there's so much potential. It's super cool. And uh, But beyond the online mode, they're also announcing two kind of unrelated offshoot modes. One doesn't even have Mario in it. Um, so the modes are one, sorry, one is called The Adventures of Captain Toad, and it stars, uh, the leader of the Toad Brigade from Mario Galaxy, Cap Captain Toad. Oh, those are the ones where you can't jump at all, right? Exactly. So they kind of, it's like a puzzle level almost. It kind of reminds me of, like, the Mario vs. Donkey Kong games a little. Like, it's kind of more that style of thinking. So... Yeah, I thought it was, the, uh, well, I just, when I saw it, I just remember picture push mode just because it's, like, very... Yeah, square. It's very push mode. Yeah. It kind of has a. I mean, obviously in the style of Mario, but it kind of feels a little like the levels in like Fez or one of those games. Yeah, yeah, where you can like and how it works is so you can't jump like you said, and you're controlling Captain Toad and you're trying to collect all the gre uh, green stars on the map, and the only way you can find them all and find all the nip, uh, nicks, uh, nooks and crannies oh. out there, and I was saying nicks and crannies, <laughs> which is not right. 
The only way to find all those nooks and crannies and whatnot is by rotating the map. It's 360 degree. It's a square. It's Wait, rectangular, you, but you rotate it's, it with the gamepad, or you use the gyro of the gamepad. So you move the gamepad mm-hmm. around, and it rotates the map, and then you run through with you know the normal controls. I mean, stick. if you're only using um. I mean, if you can't jump, I don't know, it seems like it'd be easier to just control the character with the analog and just, just kind of swipe in the direction you want to turn. Yeah, I imagine that'd be an option, or too. Or tap and hold and just move back and forth. Like, yeah, I imagine that'd also be an option, but they were emphasizing gyro yeah. and they announced well, the Yeah, map. I mean, they're yeah. going to try But to it's kind of a neat little, like, side thing. Just like a puzzle game built in. Yeah. But, and on top of that, um, they're also doing a second mode called Mystery House, which, do you remember in Mario 3D Land, those mystery boxes? Those are the ones that really use the 3D, and they're like 10-second things. It's just like, hey, find the hidden item behind this block. Oh, you can see in 3D that this block's actually in front of the other one, and they go and get uh-huh. the item. Yeah. They're doing like a whole progressive like house of those. So obviously they won't have quite the same 3D gimmicks. They're probably more about rotating the camera. But um, how it will work is you do one, they do another, they do another, and try and see how high you can go in the mystery house and how many rooms you can get into, and each one gets progressively diff- more difficult. So just another little like fun side thing to do. But uh, it, it, I think these, I don't know, to me at least, these side modes seem, if nothing else, like evidence that Nintendo is really, this is their first AAA Wii U title. Like, this is their first, like, we're pouring everything into it Wii U title. Like, Mario U, yeah, it had some cool moments, or New Super Mario Bros. U, yeah, it had some cool moments, but it was clearly just an up-res in New Super Mario Bros. Wii Yeah, but I really, really like the challenge mode. I thought yeah. that was great. Yeah, but it's just like, at the end of the day, it wasn't that. You know, they put stuff in there, but it wasn't, like, top tier, if that makes sense. No, yeah, and, and or, like, Pikmin 3 was really short. Uh, Wind Waker HD is, a re- like, it's kind of a remake. This is, like, the first, like, truly original, fully, like, full-fledged AAA title for Wii U, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, I really, uh, just the multiplayer, I mean, that in itself just looks so much fun. I mean, oh, well, yeah. I mean, well we, we played we, it yeah, we multiple play, times. Yeah. yeah, it is really fun. We played it. I mean, it's like some of these like, new levels that they're showing where like they incorporated the giant mushroom. Oh yeah. Just like, yeah. I don't know, like the multiple mushrooms. I don't know. They just look so much fun on their own. Like I don't think I've, I don't think I've been this excited for a multiplayer game in, in a while. while. Yeah, I'm super Since psyched. Smash Brothers probably. I'm super psyched for. It. And I also find it interesting that um, the they made a point in the interviews that every level can. Might have, or yeah, some levels might have secrets that can only be accessible by some characters. Every level, you can take different paths with different characters because of their different abilities. You know, Peach can float, Luigi can jump. So I'm assuming. So if you do multiplayer, like you have to pick one, and then maybe because I know, like, if you go into a pipe and someone is too far away, the screen will just load up the next screen, and you'll disappear as a bubble the next turn. Yeah, but but if you stay within the same area, you could conceivably go places other people can't, and kind of go different ways down the same like route and that sort of thing. But uh. Yeah, and actually something kind of interesting is you can switch between the characters at any time from the map menu. So, like, if you're playing single player and you want to, like, unlock a thing or find a hidden stamp or whatever, you when you're on the map screen, you can just swap out right there and then go into the level as whoever you want. Yeah. So that's kind of nice. Um, but, yeah, that, that's that's pretty much Mario. I think that's probably the last we're going to talk about until the game comes out, and then obviously we'll have impressions. But, uh, similarly, there was a little more about Zelda Link Between Worlds, which, coincidentally, not really, comes out the same day. November 22nd, so this is probably the last we'll talk about this one as well. Watch me eat these words in two weeks and we have even more new news, but uh, the only thing about Zelda is that Nintendo revealed some mini-games, which they usually don't emphasize mini-games for Zelda. Like, they're always there. Like, Twilight Princess, I remember they made a big deal about, look at how good fishing is now. But oh. they don't usually, like, 
make a point of mini games quite like that this. That had a bunch of those random puzzles. Like there, there was a battleship puzzle, and then there mm-hmm. was one of those sliding puzzles that are right, take right. forever. Yeah, and and, and, and town never mentioned them before release. Yeah, like it wasn't a big deal. A, it was like a digging puzzle. Right. I forgot exactly what you had to do. I remember it was a lot of digging. Yeah, but, but uh, what I was gonna say is that so for this one they're actually emphasizing two specific mini games, which makes me think they might, might be kind of fleshed out or something. Uh, the first is called the Treacherous Tower, and it's kind of like it's actually kind of like the Mystery House with uh, Mario. You're going from room to room, finding Emmy after Emmy, get progressively more difficult. There will be three difficulty levels you can choose, and you just kind of work your way through. And yeah, that that's pretty much all it is. It's just like dungeon crawling of sorts. Yeah. And then the other one, this one's totally out of left field. And I mean that literally, because it's about baseball. <laughs> it's um, it's called Octoball. It's a baseball-style minigame set in low rule where you are Link with a bat, and you're an Octorok throws balls at you, and you're trying to hit rupees and jars and enemies to get rupees, and it's just like kind of this bizarro baseball minigame. Oh, that's a camera Link. It's a top-down. It's, no, it's behind Link. Oh, wow. It's like full 3D behind Link. It's totally out of nowhere. It kind of, I feel like there are a couple things where you, like, throw things at targets in past Zelda games. You know what I mean? Like, in some of the shops, you can, like, do target practice or whatever. But this is, like, it's baseball. So, so yeah, it's super odd. And I think that's why I'm super interested in trying it. Like, when I read that, I was like, oh, I have to try it. It actually sounds kind of neat. But, uh, perhaps the biggest Zelda news, even beyond just the main games, is that Nintendo finally confirmed that North America is getting the Zelda Edition 3DS XL, which is this really cool-looking gold and black two-tone system it's gold on the front, black on the back. It's, it has Triforces on both sides that mimic the A Link Between World logo where it's the shadow of itself. Like, one Triforce is right side up, the other is upside down. And it just it just looks so cool. Like it see, looks, like, it, was that so hard? Like, see, that's like a... That's Zelda, how you do it. Yeah. yeah, not the Wii U one or the 3DS one before that. Like, I thought those were... Not like, the embroidery ones, yeah. Compared to... I mean... Especially after seeing the DS Lite one, like, I thought that one was really good. Yeah, no, this one, I but think yeah, this, this one's one, my like, favorite. This one, like, it's making me tempted to get it, but... Do I it. I would, I, seriously, if I, if I didn't have a 3DS XL, I would, this would be the one I would buy. And here's the thing, I don't ever buy, I mean, you know this because you know me, but for those listening, I don't ever buy, like, special edition or branded versions yeah, of the Yeah, because always get the consoles when they first Well, no, out, even so. then, I just don't, like, for, mo- for the most part, I'm not big on them. Like, when they did the Mario... DS or whatever with the giant M on the front I was like no I'm never I would never play that or like the Pikachu ones I would not I just I like like simple clean but this one's just so cool looking and we're not the only ones that think this it sold out in five minutes when it was put on sale on it or put up for pre-order on uh, Amazon Japan yeah. when it was announced in Japan five minutes and here's the thing about Japan they're not that big of Zelda fans like yeah they like their Zelda but Zelda's a much bigger franchise here in America and in Europe yet it's still sold out in five minutes in Japan so yeah, this thing's going to be popular. It comes out alongside the game. It's going to cost 220 bucks, which is more than what Nintendo normally charges for... I feel I feel like it's more than what Nintendo normally charges for their 3DS XL bundles, which are usually a standard price of the system. But you're still saving 20 bucks, and it is on release day with the new game, so it makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. it's kind of like, if you were getting XL, Jose, this, you should get this. Uh, no, I'm mean, considering it, but at the same time, I'm like, if I had to pick one XL of all the designs that are out there, even the ones we don't have, yeah, I might... I would... I think I would rather go with that Charizard one. The Charizard one's actually really cool, too. Yeah. Like, I like the ones that are, like, more, like, subtle, I guess. Like, the Charizard one, like, it's his outline, right? It's not like... Yeah, the... it's its outline and it's orange. I don't know. I think, I think that's my favorite design right now. 
like I like that because it's not like it's not like just a big picture of Charizard. Like into, it's like integrated into the design. Like this one, the triforces yeah, are like there, the, but yeah. it's not like it says Zelda in big letters on it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that yeah. one just looks nice and classy. But, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, the final and speak actually, Charizard. That's a good segue. Thank you. Uh, the Pikachu Pokemon Detective game. So, and at the very tail end of our last episode, we were kind of like, hey, next episode we're going to talk about, they're announcing some crazy new Pikachu game or something that may make people change their view of Pikachu, I think is how it was described. And, uh, yeah, now we're following up on that promise. So this game, it is a Pokemon game, and it was revealed in a TV interview with the CEO of the Pokemon company, and it is nothing like what you expect. Well, first, during that same interview, Pokemon Trozy, the puzzle game for DS, may be getting a 3DS eShop sequel. They showed a prototype, said they're looking at download options. Mm, so just throwing that out there. Trozy's actually really fun. Thing? Yeah, no, yeah, really fun. But, uh... So expensive nowadays. Oh, yeah, it's super rare now. Yeah. I remember I played it, like... Nintendo randomly started putting demos of it in Best Buy, or not Best Buy, Toys R Us, like a month and a half before it came out. But they are really selective in the Toys R Us they did. And, like, it was, like, maybe... I don't know, one out of every five or something. Like, I don't know what they were thinking. Just by chance, I happened to see it, like, the day they put it in. And I, I stood that demo for, like, an hour. It was actually really fun. But, uh, yeah, so... And you get to go. Oh, yeah, that was the jingle. That's yeah. right. But, yeah, beyond Trozy, they talked about this detective game. And it's just, it's totally on, it's totally on nowhere. It makes no sense. But, I mean, it could be cool, but it's just, like, I don't know what the what it has to do with Pokemon at all, besides they're putting the characters in. So what it is, is you and a Pikachu team up to solve crimes. And along the way, you're also stopping an evil doppelganger Pikachu, who's blue instead of yellow, can talk, and whose mouth moves really jarringly because it's motion-captured from humans. So he has an accurately animated mouth, even though he's a little blue Pikachu. Which means he has accurate human facial expressions and a kind of human face. It is the weirdest thing. There's video online. It is the weirdest thing. Those kind of make it like a Pikachu in a different way. Not a regular Pikachu, but this Pikachu. But this crazy doppelganger, yeah. And it's just like, like it's cool that they like motion captured it, but it's just really weird. It's just nothing about this game seems very Pokemon-ish. It's not Pokemon, Pokemon-y at all. It's just like... I mean, a lot of spinners are very Pokemon. Well, some are. Well, yeah. But... I mean, I actually wrote an extra about that on the site. Thank you for setting up that nice little segue. Um, oh. That wasn't intentional either. But, uh, yeah, so this is, like, one of many Nintendo-made Pokemon games that are just, like, confusingly, why do they exist? Like, there's Pokemon Trozy, which, yeah, it's a puzzle game, but it could, be, it could have been anything. So they put Pokemon on it, that's fine. But it's nothing to do with Pokemon. They don't even try and then there's Pokemon Channel, which was a game about watching TV with a Pikachu. And then there was uh, Pokemon Dash, which was essentially a glorified, this is how you use a stylus on a touchscreen tech demo for the DS that turned into a really weird racing game. Apparently one. six Pokemon race each other around oh. various islands for no reason. And the only way you can do it is by repeatedly flashing the stylus nonstop. Literally nonstop. So, I, I compiled all these three, I talked about it a little in detail, and, you know, what spinoffs, what sort, like, the developers, and what their next projects are, and how spinoffs for Pokemon may improve in the future. Like, for example, this Pikachu Detective game is being done in-house at, at Pokemon Company, opposed to some other developers. So, check out that article, it's on the site right next to this episode, it's called Pokemon Strange World Spinoffs. Uh, yeah, it's just, you know, it's just interesting to look back at these weird Pokemon games that, like, who thought a game about watching TV would actually be a good idea? It just yeah. doesn't make sense. So yeah, it's definitely, if nothing else, it's just kind of funny to look at the 
the bad app. I wouldn't even call them bad apples because they're not bad games necessarily, but the black sheep, the black sheep of the Pokemon world. Yeah. Yeah. So check out that article and uh, yeah, the the Pikachu de- detected game, which actually is what led to that article. Because I was like, this is not a first for Nintendo. They've done weird Pokemon games. It won't be out for like two years. Twenty fifteen is what they're aiming for. So don't expect to see that anytime soon. Uh, beyond games. We we promised we talk about the swap note brouhaha. Oh, sad news. Yeah, this is this whole thing. It's so perplexing. I guess it's not perplexing. It makes sense on some level, but it's yeah, just it, I feel it, like Nintendo took the wrong strategy. Yeah, it was a very sad way to get up in the morning. I saw my swap note. I mean, oh, you didn't know like, about the night before? They announced it at like 10 p.m. on Halloween. Oh no, that's right. Or 7 p.m. on Halloween. Yeah, I didn't check my my 3ds at all Halloween night. Mm-hmm. I just got up. Yeah, November first today or whenever we're recording. And then it's I, November 1st. Nope, wait, nope, it's November 2nd. Oh, it was November 1st It's because we started recording at like 1.30 in the morning because we're dumb. <laughs> we could be sleeping, but no, we are giving you our heart and soul in Nintendo. Yeah, knowledge. so sorry if I seem out of it. But yeah, anyway. So I saw my spot pass notification and then I just say like, oh, um, we're really sorry, but we're going to have to like take, like, I don't know, as I was reading them saying that they're taking down, receiving, and sending up all spot pass notifications, including their own. Yeah. I kept thinking to myself within like, swap note, let's be within clear. Within swap note. Yeah. I kept thinking to myself like, oh maybe like there's like oh maybe it's, it's only certain people, but like no, they nope. kept reading it was just like nope, it's just exactly yeah. what it is. Like they So basically note, one of my favorite features of the three D S has now become obsolete. I mean I could still like I guess straight past the swap note. Only with friends. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's not the same. Yeah, it's yeah. like well what Nintendo was, was what was going on is they were claiming It sucks. That it really sucks. It I'm, does. I'm bothered. I mean I can understand why they did I'm it. I'm bothered. Yeah, I'm bothered. I'm I'm disgruntled a little. Yes. No, I am too. It's I mean, like I can see why they're doing it. I mean, they have to protect their image. I mean, obviously, there's always going to be ways for like strangers to like talk to kids. Well, and, real quick, but they just I guess they just don't want their products to be another way. Yeah, real quick, just to explain why it was taken down in the message, Nintendo basically admitted that yeah. people were going online and sharing their friend codes, and then overage and underage people. We're interacting through those friend codes, and the overage people were sending inappropriate things to the underage people. Now, Nintendo didn't spell it out quite this clearly. They just said there were minors involved and and uh, offensive content in large yeah. quantities. So, um, so what Nintendo did naturally, after looking into the many ways, is go well, whatever, and just knee jerk react had knee jerk reaction and just shut it all down completely. Abandonship, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, it sucks that, like, a few people who did something wrong, like, killed it for everyone. And there are parental controls on the system, so, yeah. But, I mean, to Nintendo's credit, they were asking for trouble when they allowed you to attach photos. <laughs> like, that's just asking for, like, uh, Nintendo nerd sexting, I guess, I, I don't know what to call it. But, like, anytime you can attach a photo to something and then share it with random people online... More likely than not, there's going to be some inappropriate pictures. Yeah. But the thing that annoys me most about this, I think, is, well, also it affects Flipnote 3D, by the way, in Japan, which already came out. We haven't gotten Flipnote 3D yet, but Flipnote now no longer works with SpotPass. So there's a decent chance we're never even going to see Flipnote 3D released here because it was a major component of the game. So that sucks, too. But the, the thing that annoys me the most about this is, like, just the level of knee-jerk this was. Like, I know Nintendo's always been very careful about their image, but... I mean, you don't see Facebook shutting down their entire site when someone, like, sends a lewd messenger message or, like, posts a beheading photo, which was a real recent controversy where they allowed and then unallowed and then reallowed and then unallowed again beheading photos. 
Uh, which I are not necessary on a site like that, I don't think. But, you know, it's not like Facebook went, oh, someone posted a bad photo. Oh, like 10 people did. Okay, Facebook's closed. And it's not like if a kid, like, searches porn on Google, that, like, Google completely closes down the site, you know? <laughs> Sorry, some kid... Yeah, or, like, when you te- like, if someone's texting something inappropriate to someone else, and then Verizon's like, okay, shut down the network, you guys. Like, it doesn't quite happen like that. That's what terms of service are for. That's what, like, agreements, software agreements are for. It's to remove the company from being responsible for this. Yeah, I mean, can't they ban some person? They can't moderate. They don't moderate swap note. That's the problem. Like, when they roll out Miiverse on 3DS, that would resolve this completely because Miiverse, they moderate. They can moderate everything. There's a moderation uh, infrastructure built into I guess that's the price for Miiverse. building their infrastructure the way they did. Yeah. Well, I don't think they necessarily expected this because... Well, yeah. Yeah. But it's well, just like... you kind of should have. They should have. I agree. I don't think they did, though. But... I mean, it's not like the internet just came out, like, recently. Yeah, and... but Nintendo's always been weird about the internet. I mean, I was once a moderator... been a few years behind, I guess. Yeah, and not just that, but, like, even, like... Okay, so I was a moderator for Nintendo's official forums at Nintendo.com for a number of years. And back in the day. And they had a um, policy where you couldn't share friend codes. The company who introduced friend codes and put them in the game that you're playing is now telling you that if you go to their website's community and say you want to play with other people, you cannot use the friend code that they just gave you to give out. You literally cannot share friend codes whatsoever. If we saw a friend code, we had to delete the friend code. The logic of it was the legal team was concerned about what would happen with minors. Sound familiar? It's exactly what's going on with SwapNote. So I don't know what's up with Nintendo's legal team in that regard. Like, I, there are rules. There are ways Someone to deal with Someone probably tried to sue or something, and then they... No, they did this precautionary. No one ever oh, sued Oh, really? Oh, then yep. they were anticipating... Yeah, because see, this. being a moderator in this case actually had an in on the inside of this, and it is the legal team, and they were doing it to be safe. Yeah, like, they were... You could not share any personal information on that yeah. site. First name, no. Uh, city, no. State, no. Friend code, no. Phone number, Definitely no. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, Nintendo's just always very cautious, and I, it does, they, like you said, Jose, it is a lot about their image, and they are trying to be family-friendly. And the timing of this certainly kind of fits in with that, because, you know, the 2DS just came out a few weeks ago, we were just talking about how the 2, you know, earlier in the show, we talked about how the 2DS is for entry-level gamers, meaning younger gamers, and Swapnote is installed on every 3DS and 2DS that is sold. I think it comes standard now. So it is a little weird if you buy a little Timmy age 5, a 3DS, he somehow gets a friend code, opens up swap node, and sees who knows what. So, like, on that note, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. But, and it, there's also the other weird coincidence of this happened only mere weeks after uh, Pokemon X and Y came out. And if, that has that friend safari thing, right? Where, like, you can, there's a safari, you can go, like, catch all these rare Pokemon once you beat the main game. Yeah, for every friend code you have, yeah. um, there's a little patch of land that appears, and I think at most three, yeah, three Pokemon appeared. If, right. they, if they have the game, like up to three Pokemon appear, if they don't have the game, you either get two. And I don't know, they're, they're usually not from that region, so it's kind of cool. Yeah. It's convenient. And, yeah, and the thing with, and it's cool because like, oh, get more friend codes, you get more patches of land, and you yeah. build out your collection. So basically Nintendo unintentionally was encouraging people to share friend codes with strangers to get more, you know, to get more Pokemon. Which at one level, that's fine. If you're playing Pokemon, okay, I guess you can voice chat, but that's, like, the worst of it. But with uh, Swap Note, suddenly all these people could send you things. So all these kids that were just going online to try and get more Pokemon might now be getting these messages. I wouldn't be surprised if this is what spurred it. 
And on top of that, you probably, I could totally see sites like 4chan or something just trolling this completely and being like, oh man, we should just give our friend code to all these little kids and then just send them the worst things possible. So like, it might be Friend Safari that caused this. It might seriously, that might seriously be it. Like, I would not be surprised at all. If that no, was... that is the only thing that has changed, really. Yeah. So either way, hopefully when uh, Miiverse arrives, it resolves this. Like, because Miiverse, yeah, it's missing some features. You can't do multiple panels. There's no stationary. There's no, like, I'm going to miss all those messages from Nintendo. I actually really liked them when they had, like, the soundbite and, like, some random Nintendo employee just being like, hey, I'm Blah, check out this. And then the stationary is cool. Good old Blah. Yeah, good old Blah. Blah's the best Nintendo employee. But, um, yeah, it's definitely, Miiverse won't be quite the same, but it could at least fill the void a little. Yeah. When and if. Well, it is, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. But, uh, I guess the last bit of news before we get to impressions is, um, Nintendo Video is kind of making a comeback. Speaking of 3DS apps, since we just talked about Swap Note, uh, this one, the Spot Pass still works, and they're pushing out all sorts of new shows. And it's interesting because back over the summer, we discussed how Nintendo was playing, and specifically Miyamoto was interested in doing animated shorts involving Pikmin. Originally, they were going to do them to promote the game, but I guess that fell through because now they're coming out on Nintendo Video after the fact, along with a couple of other series. So the Pikmin shorts are being called Pikmin Nature, Nature Documentaries, and they are going to be parody nature shows, where it's like, you know, looking at the wild Pikmin and blah, 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 blah. And then there's also another series, which already went live, called The Misadventures of Link, which is supposed to be comedic, I think. <laughs> it, they're described as a brief comedic short. It, is, it was just an ad, pretty much. It's an ad where, like, yeah, we watched the first one. It's Machinima, first of all, which yeah, for Nintendo. Really, and nothing really happened in there that you don't already experience in the game. Almost exactly. The only thing that changed was just the camera angles, and that was pretty much it. Yeah, it's kind of cool that they had a debug kit. So it was Machinima, but they had unique camera angles. But yeah, it was basically like Link crawling I mean, through was, tunnels and they like falls like in a pit. Skit. Like, a, you just bring the machinima, like, some, like yeah. a skit and maybe some bad dubbing and stuff like that. Yeah, but, no, they would never make him talk. It's oh, Nintendo. Yeah. But, yeah, oh, so, I, I'm hopeful the Pikmin one will be cool. I'm hoping that's what Miyamoto was oh, alluding to over the summer. Oh, doesn't have to be his could be other characters. True. True. But, yeah, I'm hoping that Pikmin one is basically what Miyamoto was talking about last, like, back in the summer, early summer. Uh, the adventure, misadventure links, kind of whatever. But outside of that, Nintendo's also pumping in some other shows, and they'll update regularly on a weekly schedule. So, uh, yeah, the Channel Federator cartoons, like Bravest Warriors, and I guess they got B and Puppycat. Yeah, they B and Puppycat and the Bravest Warriors. Yeah, they did some sort of deal with Cartoon Hangover over at YouTube, yeah. and they're basically they're basically like syndication, but on Nintendo video for YouTube videos. And then they also have a new 3D series from the guy that did the Meet or Die videos, which had previously been on Nintendo video, called uh, Wild Heart Ryukyu, I think is how you say it. <laughs> the way those dogs animated hilarious. Yeah, actually, it's, it's very cool. It's like 16-bit stop motion, sort of. Like, I don't know how to describe it any better. No, but the, no, the way the dog trembles is funny. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's cool seeing Nintendo putting more effort into uh, Nintendo video, because honestly, the concept of it's super cool. Like, they can just push videos to you to, like, watch whenever. It's a, it's like a neat idea that's kind of like TV on demand, just very limited in scope. But, you know, they, they could do some cool stuff, and it kind of fell apart for a while. Like, they didn't have that great of content. Yeah, they're, I mean, I don't know. So, they're hopefully this turns it down. Those skits were kind of funny sometimes. Yeah, no, there were some decent ones, but, like, half of them were not that oh, great. Yeah, yeah. So, if they can, like, turn it around. I mean, one of the shows that they have from Cartoon Hangover, Braves Warriors, is from the guy that did Adventure Time. So, right off the bat, right there, that's better than anything they've had, probably. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Pikmin and Zelda do in terms of, like, 
what Nintendo expects in terms of ratings and in terms of just like fan reaction. Because if they do well, yeah. I guarantee you're gonna start seeing it for way more characters. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so check out those videos if nothing else. Um, they're something. Something. <laughs> There's something. That's my impressions of the videos. There's something. And speaking of impressions, that's a pretty good segue into game impressions. So we have two games we're talking about today. We have Phoenix Wright. Uh, two games we've been playing in the past few weeks, is what I should say. We have Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Dual Destinies for the eShop on 3DS. Pretty highly anticipated fifth entry in the in the Ace Attorney series. Yeah, and the core time... And the core game. Yeah, the yeah. core game. Time and game. then after that, the, that's going to be primarily you, Jose, since you're our, you know, resident Ace Attorney guru. And then after that, both of us have been playing We Par You. I mean, it's the name of the episode. Literally, the name of the episode is We Par You, with a question mark. So, uh, yeah, we'll be sharing impressions of that. So, I guess you want to kick it off with Phoenix? Yeah, I mean, there isn't really too much to say about a Phoenix Fight game, except that don't expect... I mean, if you're still not really familiar with the series, like, don't expect a conventional game. They're more, like, interactive novels. Right. And I really mean that, like, to a T. Like, you're pretty much just experiencing a story. You're doing a lot of reading. You're There's, like, tons of character development. Maybe there'll be, like, some gameplay, like, every once in a while. But for the most part, you're being told the story. Right. And it's, it's, uh, it's point-and-click adventure. Yeah, it's as point-and-click as you can get. Yeah. Well, except yeah, actually all, no, I think no, 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 it's po- nothing no. like Grim Fandango or any of those real points. No, they're, no, they're, it's um, yeah, that's that's what I said. Just an interactive yeah. like novel. Just uh, yeah. but I mean, most of the gameplay in those games comes from the yeah, courtroom the, stuff, right? Well, no. Well, let me phrase the, yeah, uh, the the game is split into two types of gameplay. There's investigation and trial, right? And then usually depending on how the game, how the missions are, sometimes you'll start in the trial mode, and sometimes you start in the investigation mode. Mm-hmm. So basically, a murder happens. You're kind of briefed on it. You're being told that you're going to defend this person that's clearly innocent. Sometimes. You never know. Or And then you have to go and find evidence. So you go exploring. You go from air, location to location. And you... You can change the camera angles. You pick up, like, little... You pick up... Yeah, any... You, yeah, you select anything of interest. You Sometimes you don't find evidence. Sometimes you do. Right. Just depends on, like, what's... How the, yeah, and how the story... want How they want you to... Yeah. Go down the story. And sometimes they, you're not just looking for evidence. You just want to talk to people. You want to find out more information about the murder or like what happened. Get different points of views. Right. Maybe you find some someone suspicious that you have to remember later. Sometimes it's, it's even just what someone says that will come in handy later. Mm-hmm. And then um, once I guess you find everything you could possibly find, then you go into the trial mode, which is basically the courtroom mode where you have to pretty much everything you find. Yeah, it becomes a. Um, a fill in the blank game, right? And or yeah, and not fi- in the Mad Libs sense. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, a fill in the blank and or um, spot the contradiction, which is exactly what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Someone will be giving their testimony, which is a witness, sometimes a fake witness that's trying to hide their evil tracks, and they'll say like, "Oh, the murder took place at four o'clock in the morning," but you have the autopsy says that um, the person died at. 6 o'clock p.m. or something. Right. And then you present it and that's their right, objective. Right. And um, in the beginning, they do start somewhat obvious, but they, they really ramp up. Like, sometimes they're really subtle and you're like, okay, which one was it? Like, you kind of have to... I don't know, you really have to think, like, what the game developers or what, I guess, the story is going. Like, okay, assuming he did this, 
Mm-hmm. This is what you would have to assume from this. And the, right. There's a lot of assuming. It does feel good when you do kind of figure it out. Like, it's based on your, on your deductions. But sometimes, like, there were one or two times where I would be... I know it's this. <laughs> I know it's this item that I have to present for the objection, but I'm not exactly sure why it is. Right. But then once I explain it to you, then you're like, "Oh, okay. I don't know. It. I don't know. It, it's great." And all the characters. I mean, especially for those people that played all the previous games in the series, they will definitely get way more out of it because. Right. Because I mean, the game starts like it doesn't really give you that much backstory. It just says like, "Oh, okay. I'm getting my law degree again." So you're like, "Okay. So why did you leave?" Mm-hmm. But obviously they. They haven't explained that yet. And, I mean, I know why. Because, I mean, that the fourth game in the series, Apollo Justice, that's what it was all about. Right. And there's always, like, random nods to do, like, to, older, older, uh, to all the older games. Like, in the first case, it's not, it's not even a spoiler. Like, Apollo gets hit in the head. And Phoenix is like, oh, yeah, I remember, like, that happened to me, too. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, and that was, like, its own trial, like, in one of the previous games. Right, right. So it all ties it in. Yeah. yeah and it's just interesting seeing how, like, how some... Like, I've yet to see some characters that I know are returning and just to see how they're going to be in this game. Right. And especially one character in particular that I still haven't seen yet, um, Pearls, that was one of... She was in, like, the... The second, second and the third. one, yeah. yeah. the second and the third game. That's, um, the cousin of Maya, which was, like, the main character for, like, the first three games. The second main character to Phoenix. Yeah. And since she's coming back in the game, I don't know if that means that her deceased sister is coming out because she's a spirit medium that could summon... Mm-hmm. Yeah, like her older sister, but I don't know. Just lots I, of unanswered questions and lots of where is the story going? So how's the? I guess the question I was gonna ask before when I was saying about gameplay in the courtroom that was me misspeaking, but it's good that you gave that like overarching how it works. But uh, the question I now have is: so they in the usually in the courtroom segment of these games they always have some sort of different like interrogation mechanic, don't they? Like they have the the emotion thing in this one, right? Emotion. Oh, emotion, right? Emotion. Oh, I, I, I just heard you say emotion. Oh, yeah, no, emotion, yeah. Yeah, emotion. oh, I guess that's kind of cool that... Yeah, um, how is that? Since um, this game is already... I mean, you're you're playing as Phoenix as and Apollo, so you get both of their little gimmicks that they've introduced throughout right. the game. Like, So, I mean, so already in, Apo- already in the game, I've had to use, like, Apollo's um, wristband, which pretty much means um he has, like... I guess he could detect anybody's subtle, like, m- subtle movements whenever they're lying. Mm-hmm. He could detect, like, an eye twitch or someone, like, sweating or just, like, anything that will, like, hint that they're lying. Like, whenever they say a certain word, they their body just gives it away. Right. So, Which... and, and, and you have to, like, super zoom in on them. You have to find it on the 3DS end. Does it get complicated? Because when I play, we played a demo of of Dual Destinies at Anime Expo back in June, if you uh, well, recall. The, and it was the easiest, like, the tell was so ridiculously uh, obvious. Well, I mean, they didn't show Apollo's thing in the demo, but I think you're talking about... Oh, sorry, I'm talking about the other one, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, well, so far the tell, I mean, they've won, I've only used it, like, twice so far, and so far the tells have been a little easy, especially because of the way they presented it before, you would have to look for the tell as they're giving the testimony. Mm-hmm. But for some reason in this one, um, they made you find the tell first, and then they give you the That's testimony, weird. and then it was just zoomed in there, so you just wait for the testimony to tell you, like, oh, now the eye's switching when he's saying this, instead of you're scouring the whole body until yeah, yeah. They, you find that weird That's part. That's weird. That seems like they dumbed, almost dumbed it down a little. Yeah, but... Huh. Oh, it was just odd. It might not be the case for the rest of it, but that was just right. that instance. Right. The other thing, the... Um, yeah, I guess we're... 
the other character, Athena, she could, I guess, sense people. She could hear people's hearts, is what she says. Mm-hmm. And, this uh, is what I was thinking of. Now that I think of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, basically, team. like, during a testimony, like, sometimes, like, they're not giving enough information, so you have to clear their mind, and I guess it's during that time when, as they're giving their testimony, you will see, like, uh, four little faces indicating, like, anger, happiness, sadness, and shocked. Right, shocked. yeah, shock. Yeah. And I guess depending on what they're saying, like, if whenever you find an inappropriate feeling, that's when you know that something is wrong, so you have to tap on that feeling. So if someone is witnessing a murder, but the happiness face is glowing, then you always have to click on that one, because obviously mm-hmm. they're not supposed to be feeling happiness. Right. And in the demo, what you're talking about, like, this girl, she was like, there was rubble falling all around her, but and she felt sadness, but at the same time, she also felt happiness, because... She was being rescued, but they don't reveal that right away. Right. And, yeah, that one was obvious. And But there was actually one that was later that was a little harder to find. I was a little confused. Oh, that's sh- Yeah, I remember. Because they were combining shock and sadness. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, they're witnessing a murder. Shockness. And in one panel, they're feeling shock. And another panel, they're feeling sadness. And sometimes they're feeling both shock and sadness. Right, yeah. So I'm like, which one is the least, the not as appropriate one? Like, right. I mean... They both seem appropriate, and they both, um, I don't know, it was just a little confusing. Yeah, that one also, now that I think about it, threw me in a bit of a loop. But, but that wasn't so much, like, the difficulty. That was just, like, not yeah. proper identifying emotions. Yeah, but that's just how it starts. I mean, no, it, it does get better. There, They did make a ton of nice little improvements from previous games, though. Like, just nice little, I guess, um, yeah, we'll just call it the operating system. <laughs> the, OS, the Phoenix Wright OS, the Ace Attorney OS, yeah. AAOS. Like now, like, like now, like they know that people like save their game very often, so they just added a button on the bottom that just says save. Before you have to oh, press start nice. and then just press save. Yeah. Another thing that I think was amazing that they finally added was um, being able to view um, the the speech from before, just reading the text. So without having to go through the whole animation again. Yeah. Well, basically, if you're just like kind of pressing A because it's sometimes you can adjust the dialogue speed. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I would press B and sometimes I would skip a dialogue box by accident. Right. But there's a button on the bottom of the screen where you just tap it, and then you can read all the dialogue that you want. You just kind of scroll through it. Right. So that was... That seems really nice. Because, yeah, there were, I had the original Phoenix, right? It's the only one I played. Really liked it. Just, I don't know what happened. Yeah, so, so if you missed something, and, yeah. Yeah, that was a pain to have to, like, re-watch the whole thing with all the, like, dramatic pacing and pauses. So. Yeah, because you pretty much have to restart the save file if you want to find out what they said. Yeah. But now you could just scroll back. And that's what, um... 999 and Virtual Desk Reward, they've had that feature since the beginning, so that's something that I'm glad they finally implemented. Another thing that I think is really, really good now, um, the characters, they keep notes of what they're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. So it actually tells you the objectives, like what you're... They just give you a list of the things that you're supposed to be doing. And one thing that I remember Phoenix right, um, if you don't play the game for like a day or two you will forget what you're doing mm-hmm. and sometimes you won't know where you're supposed to go and you'll be stuck there for a long time so just the fact that they tell you like all the things that you they should, catch you up yeah they, they yeah. yeah they keep you on track i remember which nintendo did that with one of their first party games i thought it was like the coolest thing i don't remember which mm-hmm. one i feel like it was one of the handheld zeldas or something that might be wrong um, the other thing that i really appreciate too is um at some point, in the, like at some points during your investigation, you have many places you have to go to, mm-hmm. and they always tell you like, "Oh, this is the place you last were. This is the place you are now, and this is the right. place that it's new." So they, I don't know, they they streamlined it. That's pretty the, much it, yeah. One thing they didn't streamline is their localization process. I heard it's full of typos. 
Yeah, all the games have typos in them. I yeah, ne- Capcom is really bad about typos. Yeah, I never really noticed the typos until I see them on screenshots, but they're... Yeah, and they're all over Twitter right now. <laughs> yeah, I caught one in Phoenix 3. No, they're just funny sometimes, but... Yes. Yeah, only that, but this one, this has been over 10. At yeah, least. at least. What are your thoughts on uh, the new graphic style? Because previously it was all sprite work, and this time they converted the sprites basically into... They look like rounded off sprites. Like, they're polygonal, but they still kind of have that look. Like, yeah, I don't what, know. What, what do you think of it? I don't know. I think it looks pretty cool. It kind of reminds me of um, how Pokemon went to 3D, how they still don't look... It's like so shaded, so it still kind of looks like yeah. cartoony, but not... I don't know. I think it looks better than how um, Layden vs. Phoenix looks, because those look a little more CG-ish, yeah. I want to say. It's yeah, like this one feels like a natural evolution. Yeah, and yeah, the they, they, they still like move. The animations on them are identical to the sprites. They still like cut frames. They don't. I mean, sometimes they move smoothly, but they still like um, cut from pose to pose. And that's an interesting. And, 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 and it just looks. It, it just matches. It just looks right. Right. Oh, they did a really good job with them. I think they definitely it's the right direction for yeah, it. Yeah. Oh, and then the camera movements are definitely way more dramatic now. They actually have like the audience. Like they actually have um, different people, or they guess different models for every single mm-hmm. person in the audience before it was just silhouettes oh right yeah that's right but, i mean there were sprites though but yeah i did notice when i played the demo at amex so i did really like the new look and the sweeping camera yeah, it looks courtroom way, yeah. And, yeah everything is it's it's great so it's what 30 bucks on the eShop? yeah that's right yeah it may not Worth be it? um physical but i mean they give you an extra save file that's something new it doesn't yeah, make too. up for lack of a physical release I, I, stuff. I don't know I, I think that's like them kind of knowing that people would borrow each other's games, so it's like, oh, we're gonna give you an extra save file, so you could still like, I guess that someone borrow your 3ds. Yeah, or if you're sharing that's pretty much the only way it would work is if you send them this 3ds or give yeah. them this 3ds. But but I mean, I don't know. I mean, if you like text adventures, I would well, definitely recommend it. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you ever and, play an Ace Attorney, we made a case for it. You made a case for it on the site a year ago. Like, literally a year ago. So, a year ago, Ace Attorney 5 was announced for Japan. And I don't know if you remember, you must remember, right? You wrote an article called The Case for for Ace Attorney. And now it's kind of relevant again, because we might have a lot of people listening who haven't played Ace Attorney, and you pretty much lay out why you need to play the game in preparation for 5. So, even though 5's out, and you've already been gushing about it, would you say start with 5 or go back to 1 and work your way forward, if you can find it? If you're willing to put the time into it, I would definitely say play all of them, but... You could definitely play this one too. It's just because right. um, they reference so many things in the mm-hmm. older games that if you definitely want to play the other ones to appreciate it more. Right, right. And I mean, now they made it easier to play all of them since Capcom started re-releasing all the old DS games again. So you could find them all for under 20 bucks on Amazon. After you spent so long trying to collect each of them. Yeah. At high prices and many, many... No, I never paid high prices for them. Oh, that's true. You I, just I, I, go I, very far to get them. Sometimes. Yeah, I just... um I always paid the... Yeah, I guess the lowest price for them, but it definitely took a while. I right. didn't. I, they weren't just there to buy. Yeah. The only one that people might have trouble finding would be Apollo Justice. But um, oh, oh or if you have an iOS device, just um, just download. Yeah, it. on HD. Yes. Which is so, also really nice. So if you're on the fence about, here comes the plug. If you're on the fence about Ace Attorney, check out Jose's article from a year ago. Extra the case for Ace Attorney. It's on the homepage of Roundtown.com. Way down the page. It's from. Uh, early September it looks like so check that out and then if you like what you read get five (laughs) 
I think is that sum it up somewhat, kinda. Yeah, no, I would definitely. Yeah, I, I highly recommend it. Yeah, highly. it's. Uh, I mean, I think it might be the game that lures me back into the series. I mean, it was decide for sure. Yeah, I mean, this but, was definitely without doubt like my most anticipated game. Right. Of this year. Yeah, and it delivered. Yeah, and it delivered. Yep. So, you played it that. Did. <laughs> it did. You uh, so you played that pretty much solo. First of all, it's not multiplayer, so it would have been impossible not to. But uh, we, on the other hand, both of us did a lot with some other friends, a lot of We Party You, hence our episode title, guys. So, um, yeah, now We Party You, We Party You is an interesting one to discuss because there's just so much stuff packed in there. Like, it has, what, five different modes and with five yeah, different core, like, game types, and within the game types, like, bunch of different modes and then there are 80 mini games it's would you say it's worth the fit before we even get to how the quality of the games would you say the sheer num- amount of content makes it worth the price yeah like if someone's just looking for a lot of game in their game i mean you're already getting like the 80 mini games that is already standard with like every mario party game but right. you're also getting like tons of other you're probably getting definitely more content than any mario party game yeah i could think of yeah and you get a wii remote Plus, yeah. yeah, it is kind of interesting they didn't put it on the eShop because they want everyone to get the physical copy with the gamepad stand and the Wii Remote Plus. So, I know you were originally bummed when you couldn't get off the eShop. I know, the one time I won a game digitally, they yeah. only offer it physically. Had to happen eventually. Actually, no, it didn't. No. <laughs> Never had to happen. But, um, yeah, so I don't know. For So, for Wii Party U, a couple, I guess, general thoughts I had is that it is... Definitely a sequel to Wii Party. It looks identical to Wii Party, just up Like, I mean, it looks decent, and there's some nice graphical effects, but it's not, like, pushing boundaries by I mean. It's Wii Party. Right down to party fill the Muppety guy. Yeah, now he has a Deez. A Deez. A Deez. A Deez. <laughs> yeah, he has a Deez. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, whatever that is. <laughs> yeah, he has a niece named... I don't know. It's called her... No, it's something with a P. Party it... Penelope. Yeah, it's Pen- I think it's Penelope. I have no idea what it nah, is. No, it's Petunia. We'll call her Petunia. Anyway, um, so yeah, the game looks pretty good, but it is definitely not pushing any boundaries, that's for sure. And it, but yeah, really, the game and Wario is just there to showcase the game. Yeah, 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 exactly. And and that's kind of the thing is this is like the next. I feel like this is kind of the next step after Game and Wario, like the evolution of how the game pads introduced. Because first you had Nintendo Land, where it's like okay, one thing's on the TV, one thing's on the game pad. It's the same game, but they're very different activities. Then you had Game of Wario, where it's like, okay. And just to give an example of um, uh, Nintendo Land, you know, Mario Chase. It was different screens, same activity, but they were, you know, different... Overarching, same activity, but different things were happening on the two screens. And one person was doing one on one screen, one person was doing something on the other. Zelda, the Zelda uh, game. You had, you know, bow and arrow on the gamepad, everyone else was on the TV with swords. So different activities, different screens. Then you had Game of Wario, where it's same activity split between screens, like the Gamer Mini game, where you're playing WarioWare on the gamepad while watching the TV to see if your mom shows up. and Or like uh, the, I forgot what it's called, the Grasshopper one, where you have two yeah. entirely different views of the exact same thing happening, and you need to utilize both. Kind of like, actually, Captain Falcon does or that. Or the Taxi one, that was good. Yeah, the Taxi one does it too. And now you have uh, Wii Par U, which takes it one step further, where it's like, okay... So you can see that the screens do different things. And look, you can see that the screens can interact. But how about this? You need a Wiimote, and the gamepad and the TV are now two screens that interplay with each other by way of the Wiimote. Like, that's, like, the new thing in this one. Like, they keep 
like each of these mini game collections, they keep kind of pushing a little further into like interesting territory. Like there's one mode specifically I'm thinking of with the combo uh, the water. water runners, yeah, where basically the gamepad has like a little creek on it or crick, depending on how you say it. I say creek. If I if you say crick, I don't know where you're from, but good for you, I guess. Uh, <laughs> the TV shows like a giant water pitcher that you're pouring water into, and you well, move. like four of them. Yeah, yeah four of them because you're playing multiplayer, and each player uses the gamepad to make a scooping motion at the game with your Wii at, remote. Yeah, make a scooping motion with the Wii Remote Plus at the gamepad, then spin around. You're supposed to put them apart from each other, and then kind of spin around or lift up or do some sort of motion. To get the water towards the TV, which then the sensor bar on the TV is used to tell when you're pointing at it, at which point you turn the Wii Remote 90 degrees and it's like you're pouring. Yeah, so you have your to keep your level, level when you're turning around. Yeah, you have to keep balance of it. So it's like a really clever idea. So if you like to sabotage your friends like I do, you would just, you like just smack their hands and. Oh, I was so yeah. mad when you did that, but <laughs> but no, like stuff like that. Just like I mean, that, those are few. I feel like those are to some extent kind of few and far between in Wii Party U, but just that was really cool. I thought like it's super rudimentary implementation, but just like the concept is so cool and like especially because like it's one of the first. I think it's the first time I've used the sensor bar on the gamepad, like a Wii remote at yeah, the gamepad. Yeah. So it's it was definitely interesting, but I think the I don't know. Is there the best way to cover this might just be a rundown, a list, or something of the different games? Yes, I guess um. We party you is split into three categories. There's um TV party, house party, and the oh and uh <laughs> Gesundheit. And sneeze party, where all you do is sneeze. <laughs> and um tabletop games. <laughs> yeah. T- tabletop might actually I'm like, be the real I'm already counting mini games as their own well, I mean they are the their main, own category, yeah. but they're kinda of sprinkled in throughout T V party. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, yeah, you, I mean, mini games you always just play them however you want. You could yeah. play them with a board in conjunction with a board game, or you could just play them. Gamepad like, Island, you mean? Not just a board game. Gamepad Island. Or the other? Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Gamepad Island. Or there? Oh yeah, there's like, five boards. Yeah. Well, there's five different ways. Or to, five different ways to play. Yeah. yeah. Or you could just do like the battle mode where like oh first to five wins, or you could do mm-hmm. yeah, there's a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's actually a kind of neat one um, where it's like you're playing cooperative mini games i think basically you're going down a path and there's these walls and the only way to like keep going is to be a mini game together as a team and then the wall or, or you have to down. score a... or you have to score something yeah yeah so, so like, if there's a team or you have to your combined score has to reach a certain amount yeah so it's almost like a more co-op slanted which they haven't really done like the developers at nd cube who did this game they did like mario party 9 and they're doing mario party island tour and they never really did i feel like they never really did such co-op heavy such a co-op heavy option it's kind of neat to see. It's, yeah, a, nice, it was, it was it's a nice fun. twist, yeah. But you were saying. Oh, so I... anyway, so TV Party, these are the ones that, I guess, are the board game equivalents. But yeah. Unlike the one that we, like, the one that we played was um, Gamepad Island, which is your traditional, it's, it's, it's a more traditional board game, but the twist for this one that I thought was kind of interesting, every turn um, that you roll the dice is different. Like, right. first you start with just a generic six-sided die, then the next turn you're, like, blowing darts, and then the next turn you're... Um, like aiming a cannon to get your mm-hmm. mark. Another time you're doing a roulette wheel. Another time you're slot machine. Yeah, you're flipping the gamepad toward your opponents, and then you have to like touch and hold it, touch and hold the screen to fill up the balloon, and they have to tell you when to let go or you're emptying yeah. out a beaker. It just I don't know, they get yeah, really actually, creative. That's the other interesting thing about We Party U is there's a lot of like you don't see the gamepad, someone else does, but you're controlling the gamepad. Like you hold it backwards, you stand in some weird spot and hold it towards someone else. Like, you do stuff where you don't actually see what's going on. Or there's a really interesting one, another one of the uh, aspects of 
Gamepad Island, actually, which you might have been getting to, I'm not sure, is, uh, there's, like, to clear past, uh, these, like, barricades, you have to draw a shape on the gamepad, but you hold the gamepad facing the TV and kind of draw backwards using the yeah. TV to figure out how to draw it. So, like, you're, you know, the two screens are facing each other, and you're looking at the TV and then doing a mirror image blind on the gamepad. Yeah. Like, those, I thought those were really interesting uses of the gamepad, to, like, literally turn it around and use it with no idea of what you're doing, like that. Yeah, because there'd really be, like, no other way to do it. Yeah. At least that was it. Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, the, the the dice thing is interesting because, like, they did get crazier as we kept playing. Because we oh, played, yeah. it took over an hour to get to that board game. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, just, like, just the, I don't know, just the dice throwing itself was, like, just fun. Yeah. I mean, they made dice They're all on fun. the gamepad and really, and they all use, like, every aspect, like, every input possible from, yeah, like, you, you said, from the from mic. Yeah, gyro to... Yeah, to the microphone to... Shaking. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was fun. Yeah, it's actually surprisingly fun. Like, I yeah. didn't expect it to be that good. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was. Def- I definitely enjoyed that a lot more than um, the previous Gamepad Island from. I mean, not Gamepad. Well, just the mini island, game island. Yeah, the I- mini game island from board game island. The first we party because it was just dice rolling and just traveling through the board. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but those are TV party and then house party. Those are the ones that every single event is very different. No, some of these are pretty fun, and some of them are. And kind some of them are. Yeah, so it's a they're really hit or, they're hit or miss. It really depends on the group you're with and. Yeah, you need the a good age group, group of, you're with too. You need a good group of friends, and they need to be of the right age. Yeah, completely. But mm, some, and there and some of these uh, also use the gamepad in some kind of interesting ways. Yeah, like don't know, like the first one, button mash. It, it's just Twister. I honestly didn't think it would be Dude, it gets that fun, hard, really. but it was really fun. Just yeah, it's Twister with your fingers. Yeah, depending so, on how many people you have, it tells you how many Wiimotes you will have outside. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we were playing with three people, so they only required us to have two Wiimotes. Oh. Yeah, so it's like you had the gamepad on the floor, on the ground, on the gamepad stand, putting it to use, putting that 10-cent piece of plastic to use, and then you had two uh, Wii Remotes under it, and it would just be, you know, it would just shout out commands of, you know, one person, based on their me, one person put their hand here, or put their finger here, one person press that, one person do this, and then pretty soon you're all entangled, and yeah. I think we got a high score of 36? No, we beat 36. 36 was 37. Cool. Then we were at 37. We weren't by much. It was 37, you're right. Yeah. Okay, then. I'm putting out a challenge. If, you have, if you're good by We Party You, uh, listeners, beat 37 on... With three people. With three people on... I'm blanking out what it's called already. On Button Smashers. And post your score in a comment on the blog post that goes with this episode, We Party You, at randomtown.com. And we'll have a little competition going. We'll see who can get the highest score. I don't think anyone will take us up on this, but I'd love to see it happen. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, continue. I just wanted to throw that out there. I know no one will do it, but uh, I can dream. There was one mini game that's kind of weird. I don't know, like, I was expecting more of a game, but it's called Feed Me. Pretty much, I, you, the person with the gamepad is, like, a, a McDonald's employee. Yeah. And the people, it, it, this is as much role-playing as you can get. Yeah, um, seriously. So you're the cashier, and they and they just give you their orders. Yeah, based just, on a menu on the TV screen. Yeah, so they look at the TV screen, which has the menu. Pad. Yeah, and on the yeah, and on the gamepad you have like, oh, click the burger or whatever. Yeah. So as they're giving you the order, you have to like tap everything, and then once you're done taking the order, you have to put it on their trays and remember who took what. Yeah, it's like a bit of a game of memory because you're trying to figure yeah. out like ideally all your friends would be shying at you at once. I mean, and, and it's good in theory, but I guess we're kind of falls apart a little that there's like no way that the game keeps scores at all. Yep. So for all the game knows that like, you could have forgotten stuff and it will never know. So, yeah, so the, it's based on 
your friends to remember. And if they just ordered a crazy amount of food and they, they don't remember, remember, then, I mean, it doesn't really work. And the only way, you don't really win or lose. Like, the only thing that happens is you can rate, your friend rates how you did. Like, really good job. Like, just three different faces. Like, angry and okay and happy. So, like, you're scoring your friend and it's just kind of, like, it, if, I feel like it was, like, there's something more to it, because the, the, the idea of, like, you're ordering on the gamepad, and you have a menu on the TV, and the restaurant on TV, like, it's a neat idea, it just feels like it's missing the game element. It's yeah, just kind of yeah. like a weird toy. It's like, it almost it was, feels it, like one of the capsule toys from Game of Wario. Yeah, it was like, just a lot of it was left up to us, so, like, we kind of had to make our own rules, like, okay, let's order, um, like, we'll take turns ordering, and yeah. we can only order a certain amount, so it doesn't like, get too crazy, and if you don't remember your own order, then obviously it doesn't count. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On the flip side, uh, there are some fun. There are some equally open-ended ones. They're actually a lot of fun because they're open-ended and they don't really have scores, but they're slightly more structured. So uh, one of those that we did was the Do you know me? Yeah, Do you know me? Thank you. And that's me with two eyes, not an E, because they're Nintendo me's. Anyway, uh, and this one, it's literally just like you pass around the gamepad. It asks you a question about yourself, like, uh, are you a child, you know, how much of a child at heart are you, or do you have trouble making decisions, or how indecisive are you, or are you shot, you know, all those random things, and you just guess what you are, and then whoever you're playing uh, the game with will guess kind of secretly what they think, and then it takes, yeah, about you for that question, and it takes the average of all their guesses and compares it with yours in this little, like, graph that does this fancy animation and... You'd be surprised what your friends think of you. Like, this is one of those games that you need a good group of friends. Like, when we were saying some of these need a good group of friends, this is one of them. Because, like, you know, if your friends aren't into the idea of, like, this sort of, like, kind of a way of poking fun at each other and whatnot. Yeah, and they don't gonna, really know you either. It's not gonna, I mean, yeah. if you're just playing with, like, a group of people... It's not going to be yeah. fun at all. Yeah. And similarly, there's uh, Name your uh, name the Face, where you name the face. Yeah. It's literally what it sounds like. It's the one that, for those who follow Nintendo America's Twitter accounts, the one they were tweeting out those screenshots of all week with Bill Trennan. Yeah, it, but that one's pretty fun because it's like, there is a bit of a scoring mechanism because they'll tell you what it's supposed to be and what people guessed, but it's still pretty like, you know, it's kind of loose in terms of like how you choose to make the face. You just take, a, you hold the gamepad up, take a, take a photo of your face doing whatever pose it says to do, and that gives players four choices to pick and whoever gets the most guesses wins, basically. And it's whoever gets the most guesses combined with who did the best to be guessed on. Like, who made the best faces. Yeah. So, so like, stuff like those, like, they're a little more loose, but they're still... I guess name name the faces is not quite as loose, but they're still pretty fun. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any... No, the other only really other one ones. that I guess we should mention is um, Dance With Me. Oh, man. Oh, oh wait, oh. before we get to Dance With Me, we forgot Sketchy Situation, which is a lot like name... the face kind of in the sense that it's structured but it's kind of like up to you to decide how much effort you put in because name the face if you don't do a good face there's no point like yeah. if you're not if you don't get into it and sketchy situation if you don't do a drawing that people can kind of understand there's no point because what it is is everyone's told to make a drawing one person is giving a different object than the other players it's up to everybody everybody to figure out, to who. Figure out who it is occasionally we got some really puzzling ones some of them, on the other hand, were insanely easy. Like Cactus... Well, what was one of them? It was Cactus versus... I don't know, but it was nothing There's like Vacuum versus Hose. Yeah, but we all drew... Which we all, we, all, we all... Yeah, we all drew like a Dyson vacuum. So it didn't work. But Nintendo is hoping we would draw Luigi Poltergust, I think. But yeah, but, yeah, but you're going to talk about... So that one also, like, if you put in the effort to 
try and do a good drawing. You only have like 15 seconds to do it, but if you try, yeah. it could be really fun. Uh, but Dance With Me. Yeah, Dance With Me. I mean, honestly, like... Why game, does it exist? There, there, there's nothing wrong inherently with that game. It just, um... It works perfectly fine. Like, I mean, it detects all your No, there, there, there is one thing inherently wrong with it, and that's it's sheer existence that it, it just shouldn't exist <laughs> that it wasn't like aimed for our age group clearly it's probably yeah it's for like five-year-olds like five-year-old children. so basically in this one what you do is you put the gamepad on the ground you stand in a circle around it in a little powwow you hold each other's we wait that's really bad the word <laughs> <laughs> you hold we remotes between each of you it's as if you're holding hands but there are we remotes there instead of hands and then uh that also sounded weird, just not in the same way. You're holding... You get what I'm saying. And then you kind of do this weird circle dance. Like, it'll tell you, okay, circle around the gamepad. Like, it'll show your Miis on screen, and they circle around the gamepad. And then you kind of, like, raise your arms up and down with your neighbor holding the... Like, you raise, raise the Wii remote up and down based on the beat, kind of. Like, there'll be little markers, or sort of Guitar Hero style, shooting out of the middle to these rings or towards the middle or something like that. And it's just like, gosh, it's so cringeworthy to play. Like, it's... We yeah. don't like to speak of this ever, but we have we feel obligated. We must tell you about it and warn you that if you get repar you don't play this. I mean you could try it and make a fool of yourself, but yeah, it was it, it's 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 one of those games where you kinda wanna like play with someone that hasn't played just to show them how ridiculous it is, but yeah. sometimes you don't. I mean, granted we were laughing a lot and Nintendo's always said they love to bring smiles to people's faces. So they succeeded, but I think for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> Like, we were not laughing with Nintendo. We were laughing at Nintendo. So, I don't know. That's definitely the weakest of the bunch. Yeah. And that's another one that, like, only works if you get into it. Which we sort of did. Yeah, I guess we did get into it. A little too much. That might have been the problem. Yeah. Uh, but there's one, there's one final category of games. Yeah, tabletop games. These are the games that you play entirely on the gamepad and don't use the TV at all. Unless you want to see a double of whatever's going on on the gamepad. I'd argue... Yeah, it's interesting. I've never seen this done on a Wii U game where... So the gamepad's showing one thing, then the TV literally, just exact same image, has like a frame around... So it's like, obviously the gamepad dimensions are different than a TV when the gamepad's held vertically. So yeah. they put like a very thin, narrow, vertical uh, mirror of what's going on in the gamepad and the rest is just like colors. Background, yeah. background colors. It's just interesting. I've never seen them do it. It looked like some sort of like... Yeah, it just looked like you are doing like some weird airplay or something. Yeah, and like for the most part, I don't know, I think they're all pretty fun, but there's like two, I don't know. Like to, like, there's there's some killer apps for yeah, sure. Yeah, like, like baseball. Man. Is the best thing in Wii Party U, hands down. I'm not saying that sarcastically. It is literally the best thing in Wii Party U. I would the say. best thing, but it is. It pretty. is to me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, mean, I, I loved it. It was, um, yeah, but you're about to All those old animal races, I don't know, they're, they're pretty I good. never did, got to try that one, but. They did. You picked the rhino. Oh, that's right. You're right. Oh, yeah. That was okay. But, yeah, so... Um, no, that was just a minigame, so it's not comparable. Yeah, it was just like... It's one of those typical Mario Party style minigames where it's like, pick an animal, and then you only have so much stamina, so only press A when you really need it, and some are faster, and some are slower, and da, da, da. But no, baseball, the tabletop game. So, do you want to describe it, or should I? Or? You describe it. I mean, it's... Yeah, you describe it. Now yeah, I'll start. Yeah, you, you describe it. I'll okay, it. so it's basically on the gamepad. Each person only uses the control stick. That's true for uh, the foosball tabletop game. For all of them. For all of them, in fact. And um, how it works with baseball is one player's pitching and one player's hitting. And there's a lot of baseball in this episode, by the way. First octoball and Zelda. Now this. Anyway, and it first, uh, and you're basically timing the pitch and the hit 
you're trying to like outsmart your opponent. Like you can do a slow pitch if you do a very gentle flick. You can like build up, like wind back the flick and let go really fast for a fastball. With the swing, you just you only have one swing, but you figure out how to best do it. And then when the ball makes contact, when you do hit the ball with the bat, it the whole way the game's laid out is very much like an old school mechanical tabletop game. It's like there's to de- to designate like how many runs you get or how many bases you get or how, or if you get a home run or a grand slam or whatever. Well, not a grand slam. We need to set that up, but a home run. There's like little four little pockets in the top that the ball can land in, but along the way it may get stuck in some holes on the course that m- count as an out, the equivalent of outfielders basically, or uh, you could, I think that's it actually, yeah. those are the two main things. So you're basically trying to get, and if it just lands in the baseball diamond and not in those pockets up top, you just get a single, you know, a single base as you yeah, so would. It's so it's really primitive baseball, but it's in this really cool like mechanical style it, like, it feels like an old mechanical toy. Like, it's really easy and really fun. There's a lot... Like, you get really, like, into it, and you're, like, trying to outsmart your opponent and figure out how you're going to do a fastball, slow, slow ball, because you can, you can trick people pretty well with how you go about flicking the controller. Yeah. So, so that's that's baseball in a nutshell. It sounds really simple, and it kind of is, yeah, it's but it's really gonna, fun. It's to play. Yeah, yeah, it's really fun, though. I mean, if you've ever played a tabletop baseball game, it's basically a digital version of that. Yeah. Like, to a T. And then there's foosball... Which, uh, do you want to cover this one? Or you played it a bit more than me, I feel like. Yeah, football's a little, it's a little overwhelming at first, because you move, you only use the joystick again, but all the characters, all your little soccer dudes. All five on five, yeah. or nine on nine of them. Yeah, they all move at the exact same time, so, like, it's kind of hard to tell, like, I guess, where the ball is sometimes, because there's so much movement. But, um, I don't know, after some practice, you gotta get used to it. I mean, it's fun, but it, it's not... I liked it a lot. It, it doesn't have the instant satisfaction that you get from baseball it's probably because um i guess because the foosball is i don't know you don't really score that often i don't know so, i got so, five so, so, in one game oh uh, I, I guess like when i was playing like we were just like deadlocked so it was just the ball wasn't uh, yeah. really going anywhere yeah. so it just took forever but yeah the the thing with foosball is you would think because like with a real foosball table you would assume you can only move up down left or like left right or up down or something actually they actually have 360 degrees of motion so you can like rotate the circle pad, control stick, whatever you want to call it. It's to... pretty much like they're, like they're on their own joystick axis. Like they're just yeah, yeah, pretty much. Which actually makes for some interesting strategies because you can kind of duck around other yeah the opponent's characters. So it, it's pretty fun. I think baseball's better, but it's definitely pretty fun. Yeah, um, the only one I really really liked was Animal Matchup, which is basically a memory game, but you play with two people. So it starts out ridiculously easy because you have two people memorizing like six tiles, mm-hmm. but. Eventually, you get, like, 20 tiles and, like, more tiles, and then it just becomes a real memory test. And then you get mini games like, every, like, six or so turns, and then, um, if you score really well in the mini game, and they're all team-based mini games, like, sometimes you have to work together to crank, uh, a treasure chest all the way up by pulling the rope, or sometimes you have to, yeah. like, work together to catch a fish or row a boat. Yeah. And depending on how well you score, it will determine how long they will reveal the tiles once again. So if you forget what you were supposed to memorize, you'll have a chance to relieve yourself of that. Mm-hmm. But if you do bad, they'll just release them for like an instant or none at all. So, no, I really like that one. This memory game. Yeah, I never got to play that. Or no, I did play that. And I got wrong. I screwed up in my head. Yeah, I, was, I, I, I even row. was like, oh, this is so easy. There's three cats all in one row and three dogs all in another row. But then I got the row off by about one spot. So everything was off and I just looked like a fool. But the truth came out how dumb I really am. Yeah, but I mean, no, the tabletop games are pretty fun, but... Yeah, there's yeah, a couple but... others that we didn't really play. There's, um... 
uh, puzzle blockade, which is where you're like yeah. assembling pictures out of blocks yeah, and you're trying to like block each other's assemblies. No, where you're working together. You? Oh, never mind. You're working together just to make a shape. So like they'll be like, oh, copy, make this duck shape. But the pieces will be all over the place. So you have to, you can't push a piece by yourself except for the pieces that are one by one. But if a piece is two by two, both you have to be pushing it together. And then if you want to push it mm-hmm. to the left, you both have to be pushing each other. So you have to work together to put the pieces back together. So I mean, it, it's a fun puzzle game. It's just simple. Yeah, and there's also a, a marble like obstacle course called Tabletop Gauntlet, and yeah. there's um, Me in a Row, which is this one's kind of it, different. It, it, it kind of <laughs> reminds me of um, that Pepsi game, the Seven a Seven Up game, Seven Up game. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where no. You, or I don't well, know, maybe I don't know what the proper name is called, but that's just how I was introduced to it. Pretty much, um, someone puts a yellow tile, I mean, one colored tile on the board, someone else puts another colored tile on the board, and then when you have three in a row, you get a point. But they have to be in a certain order, to be head, abdomen, and legs. Right. And there are only a certain number of pieces on the board, so... And you could, like, make combinations every which way, like, you could make them horizontal, vertical, or diagonal, and... And these end up forming your me, if they're made correctly, yeah. right? Yeah. And every so often, like, you play a mini game, and the winner will get to steal a piece from the opponent... Mm-hmm. And at some point you start running out of spaces, and you could also like use your opponent. You could just block their spaces. It's kind of like a really long game of Tetris with a combination of checkers and right that other game that we said earlier. But yeah, that other game we said earlier, like a few seconds ago, I forgot what I compared it to originally. Seven Up or something like that. Yeah, I guess that game. Yeah, I never heard of it by that name, but yeah, Spark. Um, Spark? Spot. Oh, Spot. Yeah, Spot. I think it's called Spot. Yeah. Well, he was a mascot, but yeah, yes, he yeah. was. That's probably where the 7-Up nickname for the game came from. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, so it, it, the thing with we probably use, it's really just, it's like a whole lot of little things, basically. Like, it takes, you know, you have a little Mario Party, you have like a handful of the tabletop games, you have a handful of the TV, of the house party games. It's just like this weird mashup of everything and anything, in a way. Yeah, so, I don't know, if you have... A constant if, stream of friends coming, you should definitely get it. Yeah, it's like if you're the type of guy that hosts a lot of gaming parties, like in your case, yeah, like we all holidays come, now they're coming up. Yeah, yeah, now it's the holidays coming up. You know, this honestly, I feel like we party you could fit in that whole strategy we were talking about earlier about like um, Iwata saying that he wants to recreate like the viral nature of like the Wii with the Wii Sports Club and We Fit You. We spent you know the first half of the episode talking about that. I feel like We Party You might have the best shot, might have one of the better shots of doing that. Because it does some really interesting things that people haven't seen before. So, yeah, I uh, I don't know. Would you... Is, is We Party You in your mind the type of game that, like, get it? If you tend to host gaming parties, if you're playing solo, probably not worth it because AI's not that great. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely one of those games you need people for. So I wouldn't really recommend it if you don't have that. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's definitely one of those games that is really dependent on your own situation. But if you hold if you host gaming parties, definitely get it. It's probably one of the better party games of late. I'd yeah. say yeah, I'd say it's better than Mario Party Nine hands down. Yeah, I haven't. Yeah. Better mini, than the original. I mean, I mean the mini well. games themselves. I mean, they're there's your standard Mario Party first, so yeah. they're not necessarily it's better. It's the other or stuff that makes it better. Yeah, I mean, because Mario Party just stops at Mario Party. This adds like triple the content, quadruple the content. Yeah. But yeah, and plus free Wii Remote, and free little Game Pass. Yeah, so game. it's a steal at 50 bucks, really. Yeah, it would be nice just on the eShop, though, to bring this full circle to our first con. Yep. <laughs> but, uh, and with that, I think, yeah, I think that pretty much does it for this episode. So, uh, thanks as always for listening. 
Uh, be sure to check out the extra that we mentioned when talking about the Pikachu Detective game. Um, it's up on site right now at ramtown.com. Pokemon Strange World of Spinoffs, where we look at three... The Pikachu Detective game is perplexing, and so, these, and so are three other games that we take a look at. So just, they're a nice little summaries of each game and what makes them so weird and what the future holds for Pokemon spinoffs. Um, there's also going to be an upcoming extra in the next week or so. Within the next, within a week of this going up, within a few days of this going up, actually. And this goes up on November 3rd. Uh, we're going to see what Nintendo has in store at their mall tour. The final stop of Nintendo's mall tour is not too far from where I live. So I'm going to take a little trip over there. Check out the 2DS in person, which I'll have impressions of the next episode, as well as, you know, just see the setup and take some pictures. So keep an eye out for an extra on that in the coming week on the site. Uh, the best way to make sure you don't miss it, as always, subscribe, sorry, follow us on Twitter, at RamNintendo. You can also make sure you stay uh, up, stay in the loop on the next podcast episode, which will be going up on November 17th by subscribing to us on iTunes. That episode's going to be... A bit of a doozy. We'll have those 2DS hands-on impressions, um, barring anything unforeseen. Uh, Wii Fit U impressions, Wii Sports Club impressions. It's going to be uh, casual Wii games revenge, basically. Vengeance and casual Wii games. So definitely tune into that episode if you're curious about those games that have quite the different um, pay structure than what we're used oh, to from okay. Nintendo. Normally, you just pay for a game and you play it. These are like free or cheap or two bucks a day or just like these random strat uh, random ways of paying so tune into that and um until then that pretty much does it so another reason by the way just keep it locked around nintendo is our two-year anniversary is coming up and two years yeah two years you never know next episode will be the two-year anniversary episode you never know what we might do for two years so maybe nothing or maybe something Probably nothing. No, I'm thinking something. We're going to do some sort of giveaway. Oh. So definitely tune in. I guess we're doing something then. Yeah. This is the first you're hearing of it, I know, because I just saw it five seconds ago. Yeah, we're going to do some sort of giveaway. So definitely tune in next episode. If not for the impressions, if not for our lovely voices, then it's to win some stuff. We'll see you then. <laughs>